I'm in recovery from a 15-year addiction to methadone and heroin. Um, I got into running just over two years ago. Um, I entered a 10K race um, to raise money in memory of a friend who passed away just a few months before. Um, I felt a real sense of achievement and I felt good. Um, so I kept up with the running um, and entered a few more races that year. Um, running's been so good for me because at one point in my life I had blood clots in my legs um, and I used a walking stick to get about. Um, running's really good for me because I can get out um, and it's just me, my music um, and, I, and I feel fit. Um, my mental state's better when I run. Um, I joined a club last year. Um, I've met lifelong friends through running who continuously support me and are there for me when, I've, when I'm having really tough days um, because I can still have really tough days with demons from my past. Um, it's been one of the best things I've done for myself since I got clean um, and I'm not going to give up on it. Um, so that's how running saved my life. Welcome to the Explore Running Podcast with Callum and Jenny. Okay, welcome to episode one of the Explore Running Podcast. I'm very excited to get this going. We've got a cracking interview lined up for you already in the first episode. Um, my co-host is, sorry, I'm Callum Crichton and my co-host is Jenny Reese Jenkins. And we'll have a quick introduction to ourselves and what we've been doing the last couple of weeks and a quick introduction to the podcast and a little bit of chat before we get into the guest, which is, well, I'll tell you where the guest is in a wee while. So, yeah, I'm Callum Crichton, like I said, um, I'm a club runner and a running coach and decent enough standard club runner, um, trying to get back into shape I was a couple of years ago, I'm training for a half marathon at the moment and we'll see how that goes and yeah, I've been running for probably uh, five or six years all in and progressed very quickly for the first few years and then the last couple of years has been a bit backwards but we'll uh, uh, we'll not dwell on that too much. Um, my co-host, Jenny Reese Jenkins, has a bit of a better running CV than I do and well, she can give us a little bit of a, an insight into that. Take it away. Uh, hello, so I'm Jenny. I'm a local runner in Aberdeenshire. I live near Inch. I'm more of a trail runner, really, I suppose, than a road runner. That's my background now. I've been running for a number of years, really, but only seriously been hitting the, the tar and trail since maybe 2014 properly. So it's not that long, really, in the grand scheme of things. Feels like a lifetime. <laughs> uh, training this year is for um, a race in the Lake District, I suppose, my A race this year, which is the Lakeland 100 race, which is actually more than 100 miles, but uh, it's marketed at 100 <laughs> for some reason. And how many, it's how all many more? How many more than want, this is, I can't remember. Some. <laughs> I don't think it's that many more. Okay, as long as it's not an extra 30 miles or something. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. Not that bad. Not that bad. Just a few more. A handful. Won't care by then. <laughs> 
so yeah, that's it. Man, cool. not much so, more to um, say. Yeah, the last, the last well, we'll a couple of weeks update. I mean, we've not done any updates before because it's the first episode, but we'll normally be doing this every couple of weeks. So we'll just dwell on the last couple of weeks. So my run in the last two weeks has been getting over the disappointment of a, a poor attempt at a half marathon uh, PB up at Kinloss. So I was aiming to run about 118 and I ran 124. I wouldn't dwell on the reasons why that happened. But um, so I've kind of been getting over a cold and that sort of thing the last couple of weeks and just try to keep training it up without uh, doing any damage. A year ago I got a chest infection which lasted a couple of months so I, I really didn't want to f fall into that again. But I seem to have gotten over that. So I've had a few good sessions, a couple of long runs. I was up in Aviemore at the weekend for a, a running coaching course and I managed to get out in the, some of the trails up there which are amazing. Um, never oh, run up there before. Place. So, yeah, it was cool. It was really, really cool actually. Um, I did land up running just as the rain started, so I wasn't prepared for that, and I got most of my nipples rubbed off, which is <laughs> a usual thing for running in the rain. And uh, yeah, it was pretty painful, but um, it didn't spoil it on too much. And then this week I've had a couple of decent sessions, including a, a 16 miler yesterday, which I was pleased with, and no nice. uh, ill effects of it. So yeah. Couple, uh, the two weeks on Sunday I've got another half marathon race so I'm hoping to get back in about PB form for that one even though it's a hill in what's that one? Uh, the Geary half up in Inverurie oh, of course. Scotland for those who aren't aware yeah. of it so it's, it's a bit of a hilly course I've done it once before didn't race at full out because I was doing a marathon training run effectively but, um, but uh, yeah I'm going to go and full on this time and um, hopefully I'll manage to get a PB so We'll see how that goes. Um, what about yourself, Excellent. Jenny? What's your training looking like? Following your training plan to the letter, I hope. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Callum, for his sins, uh, has been helping me out eh, for the last... God, how long has it been now? Has that been about... It's over six... Nearly six... It must be six months. Yeah, it was this summer, I think. Yeah, this summer. Yeah. So I'm I'm not very good um, at the moment at following the plan, but I've not been too bad. I, I had a bit of a wobble last couple of weeks, but I'm, I'm <laughs> fully intending to get back on the plan. So two weeks ago, was it two weeks ago? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's Fetteresso Marathon. So it's just trying to recover from that, really. First time in a while that I've done a race uh, where I actually tried to run quite well. That was good. Um, 26 right, miles well, in the forest. <laughs> well, I did all right, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, what, what happened uh, at that race, Jenny? What place uh, uh, Well, I don't know overall, but it was first lady. First so that lady, was very yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, very impressive for yeah. me. And it was, a PB, it was a trail marathon PB, which so, I'm quite... Yeah, I never, I never got around to asking you. What is your... I probably got it written down somewhere. I should have it written down. What's your marathon road marathon PB? Um, three hours twenty. Oh, I think it's three hours twenty-eight. When I did London, I'd so have to look it up. Fetteresso, which for those I, I haven't done the course. It's quite a bit there, more than that. Very hilly, and yeah, and it was a three forty-two, was it? Is that right? Uh. I, don't, I can't remember that either. Yeah, it was about yeah. that, so, you know, pretty close to, you can't be far off a PB shape for a road marathon, I would have thought, with that. Yeah. 
Yeah. It wasn't a taper or anything like that either. It was just in amongst your training. Yeah, no, it was. It was good. Yeah, I know. Good. Well done. No, it was good. No, it was good. Good day out. But yeah. I've actually, it's, I've been knackered since then. Like, really tired. Um, I think this week, I think I did too much last week. I probably should have done a lot less, like the plan said. Um, <laughs> and because I went rogue, exactly what you said would happen, happened. And I think this week I've sort of, yeah, I peaked a bit too soon. Really, so your, your, so. your next big race is when? The well, I've got a cheeky 10k coming up. I've got the Nubra Beach uh, 10k, which, with the state of my legs just now, I'm not sure how that'll go. I'll, I'm going to try and do a fastest uh, fast. Like, I'm going to try and go for a PB for myself. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. So I think that's achievable. Uh, for me, it's it's not going to be a, a course record, though. <laughs> I think Tammy's got that. She shut that down um, a couple of years ago, maybe. And then um, I was going to be doing a 24-hour race in two weeks' time, but that's actually up in the air just now. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So um, it's, it was meant to be a lapped race, well, no, it wasn't meant to be. I assumed that it was going to be a lapped race on trail, but it's it, we we don't know yet. It's a mystery. It's a mystery okay. race already. Oh, right. okay. um, is this and they have a race, or is there yeah, a lack of organisation? What's the story there? I don't know. I'm not sure, but they're 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 selling it as as a as a mystery. So it's oh, okay. it's a kind of we're not going to tell you the details till the time right. which is totally fine but I don't have a crew I was going to go on my own and just do it and have the van and I was just I was thinking off oh, it's a lap race this is fine because I'll be able yeah. to you know it's only four miles and then it can take my time and whatever however if it's one of these ones where you go from A and you run as far as you can in 12 hours see where you get to and then have to run all the way back that's not going to really fit in with my training for Lakeland 100 at all because I'm going to end up destroying myself um, and I really don't want to do that in March. I think I need to be a bit more careful because I'm not up to that kind of distance yet. Yeah, so yeah, I'm a, bit un, I'm a bit unsure. So I might, I might um, just, I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to see what the, the, see what the details are for the event. Um, and when I've got all the facts and all the information, I'll make a decision about whether or not um, I actually do that. So what I don't really if, like... What happens uh, if they wait until you turn up to tell you that you get to go down and find out? Or nah. Just nah. Yeah. Right. yeah. I think it's too risky. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I can't, I can't if, believe the sense coming out of your mouth right now. It's amazing. Uh, well, I know. What, <laughs> this is what's happened. Six months and... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know myself anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but I've got London Marathon again this year, and that's yeah, in exactly. I mean, the end of April, you see. So I don't want to... That's an expensive one, you know. And it's really tempting, given that, you know, how well you ran at Federesso to go and mm -hmm. have a really good go at London. To go at London well, and that's, occasion and, and all of that. Yeah, time, that's it. Race it as best yeah. you can. If you run a 24-hour yeah. race a month before... It's difficult oh, it'd be a disaster, especially if I get injured. Yeah. 
Well, exactly. You can't even run. And I'm already carrying that. You know, I've still got a sore knee from when I fell just before Christmas. So my physio's like, well, if it's tar that you're running this 24-hour thing, that would be a disaster. Yeah, that's another thing. It's a lot of wear and tear, isn't it? Yeah. Too many unknowns. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, there we go. So many unknowns in the mystery race. It's unreal. I know, but if I don't do it, I can come along and support at Rungiri, and that would be awesome because it's the same weekend. Same eh? weekend, so, uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, so that would be quite nice. Yeah, so you could so uh, kick my ass round instead. That would be good. I'll just shout. I'll get a cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be good. Cool. All right. So that's what's been happening. What's coming up? Um, so yeah, I just wanted to have a wee introduction to what this podcast is all about. So. There are lots of running podcasts out there, lots of really good ones, and we're adding another one into the mix, I suppose. But what we're going to try and do is focus on running stories, in inverted commas. That could be sort of funny stories, sad stories, inspirational stories, um, whatever. Just an, an actual story that people will like to, to hear. And so we'll, we, between us, will try and source a story. It could be one that we have experienced directly or it could be one we've heard about on the web or or through social media or, or whatever um, and as well as that we'll have this theme running through the podcast of <clears throat> how running saved my life and um, again that's an inverted commas doesn't have to have literally saved your life but <laughs> there are a lot of people out there who without running would be worse people I think is a, a good way to put it but that could mean anything from combating addictions or stress at work could be escaping violent homes all sorts of stuff we've had and what we're going to do you'll have heard at the start of the podcast a little clip from a listener or to be a listener because we don't have any listeners yet but um who has sent us very kindly an audio clip of how running has saved their life and you'll hear that at the start of every episode and we hope to get a new one every every episode so if you have one of your own that would be fantastic just um, get in touch and, and drop us an audio clip just about a minute or so tell us how running saved your life um, so in the, the running story this week it's a bit of a sad one actually and it's, it's all sort of interlinks with um, what we're talking about here and I was just going to bring up Keith Flint the front man of Prodigy um, very sad story um, at the age of 49 took his own life um, I think it was Monday, Sunday or Monday I'm not sure, it was, uh, I think it was Monday when this news broke and mm-hmm. I had no idea that Keith was a runner and um, that's why it's relevant to, to the podcast but um, from what I've heard he had been battling with uh, mental health issues for for some time and a bit of a tortured soul unfortunately but he had been running and I think that had helped him for a long time to, to keep his mental health in check. And he'd actually run, gone and run a PB at Park Run on uh, Saturday morning before before it happened. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, there's not much really to say about that. I don't know Keith's story very well, but other than, you know, for guys of our era, he was one of these massive, larger-than-life characters in, in the music scene, and he was... The front man of one of the biggest sort of dance acts yeah. of the 90s um, when I grew up. And <clears throat> I wasn't really a big Prodigy fan or anything, but that um, that album that had Firestarter and all that, Breathe and all that, <laughs> was, was big when I was a teenager. And um, 
Yeah, it was. Likewise. Yeah, it was yeah. yeah, and and um, I just think it's really sad that there are people out there battling with their mental health so badly that it comes to that, you know. And that's a guy mm-hmm. who must have had people around about him. You'd have thought. Um, and the Prodigy were still touring. They were supposed to play the festivals this year, you know. And you think that's a sort of person you look at from the outside and think, oh, they've got everything to live for, but you know, mental health takes a prisoner. Yeah. All. You know, it doesn't matter who you are how happy, in inverted commas, your life looks from the outside, it can get to anyone. And that just segues perfectly into, um, we'll get Jenny's opinion on it as well, but um, Jenny is a mental well-being champion for Jog Scotland, and maybe have a wee chat about what that means. So Jog Scotland mm-hmm. is um, a movement linked to Scottish athletics in it's a sort of introduction to running for a lot of people. Um, there are jog groups all around Scotland, and jog leaders like myself and Jenny take people out and hopefully get them into running and help them with the running to become runners and make it a habit in their in their everyday life. But Jenny has taken it one further and is one of a few mental well-being champions last year in Jog Scotland. So maybe you could tell us what that means. Yeah. And so. Yeah, it's, I mean, Keith Flint was a huge part of my sort of formative years, I suppose, because the Prodigy were a, like you say, they were a very popular um, band, and they were, they did a lot of touring in Scotland, so as a young person, it was really easy to go and see them, I went and see them in Livingston, and we travelled around Teen the Park every year, they were there, you know, huge character, and I think for a lot of young people, they were a band that, you felt that you could associate with because they were so present and they made it they made you feel a part of their their show I suppose when you went there so it was really sad um, and like you say these big personalities you know the larger in life characters are sort of tarred with that brush where people think that you know they're they're completely happy or what what not and um, it just shows you how easy it is to have that mask um, and hide, you know, how what's going on in your life from the world through uh, different types of traits. So really sad to hear about how things panned out for him. And I guess what people need to do is learn from that and maybe find ways to deal with how they're feeling, which is kind of where Scottish Athletics and Jog Scotland have been moving. So my kind of role with them is... Uh, I've been working with Jog Scotland um, and they're in partnership with Sam H which is uh, a mental health organisation in Scotland who are supporting you know hundreds of people across the country and uh, my role is to help Jog Scotland groups in the north of Scotland and I've got a friend, uh, my friend Ted is also the same position as me for the sort of the, the south of I don't know, you could split Scotland into two, um, the north and he's the south, and then eventually there'll be many of us all working in different parts of Scotland to maybe encourage groups to be more accessible for some people who are struggling to to do exercise, and it doesn't have to be running. Um, Really, what we're trying to promote is that people are getting outside, getting exercise, because it is proven, isn't it, nowadays, scientifically, that um, exercise 
100% helps you feel better and can improve your mental health. And they're even prescribing that now, aren't they, in the north of Scotland? It's a, it's a thing. So NHS are prescribing getting outside to mental health patients, which is amazing. And there's the proof. So I guess my role is I've got a bit of a, a past, um, well, not a past, even a present, I suppose, in that dealing, learning how to deal with having mental health issues and uh, running, uh, maybe not so much to save my life, and we've, we've talked about this plenty before, but it certainly helps <laughs> and it's a really important part of my life. I mean, I, sometimes I feel like I could run every day, um, you know, and that, that would make a big difference to how I feel about things and that's something that other people need to have an experience of. So walking, going to the gym, all these things, um, but it can be so intimidating and if you're really ill and struggling or if you're in a situation where you know you don't feel confident in making that leap into exercise if it's totally new to you, it's like somebody said to me going, I don't know, fly an airplane, I mean I, you, you just, I wouldn't even know where to start and I guess it can be like that for for many people so yeah. hopefully through Jog Scotland groups and Sam H's new partnership uh, more people will have the opportunity to make a, make their life a bit better and hopefully we'll have more runners because yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. it's a great thing to do. Yeah that um, example of it being really intimidating that applies to any non-runner sometimes you don't have to oh, have, yeah. have mental health issues if you couple that with really struggling your mental health and we're talk, not talking about someone who feels a bit down we're talking about someone who is you know like perhaps like Keith Flint who you know is on the verge of suicidal thoughts sometimes mm -hmm. you know, it's difficult to get through to someone like that at all it's, I mean I don't have any direct experience yeah. but I've heard plenty of stories and I listened to well the podcast you recommended um of Mountains and Mines, the interview with Gail. Yeah. That was so unbelievable. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. What an interview that was. And, and so mm -hmm. Gail Tate was actually attempted suicide, but very luckily came out the other side and then has yeah, far more day now. And she was able to describe exactly what she was going through and mm -hmm. where she was keeping herself alive, effectively by thinking about what she was leaving behind. But mm -hmm. then uh, there was a flip at some point where she just thought it would be better off without her. And I mean, yeah. It's so scary and it can happen to anyone. It is scary. Yeah, so I mean I've like, I, I don't have any direct experience with it but I think as far as running goes helping me, I've, I was thinking about this quite a bit the last couple of weeks and I used to, far more than I do now go through <clears throat> maybe a day or two where I just felt a bit overwhelmed with things and um, unhappy is probably as strong as it got, but just unhappy with work and life and thinking things are just not hopeless. I'm, I'm not trying to undermine people with serious mental health issues at all, but I, I was just have this can't be bothered feeling. I, you know, I just mm. really get things going and felt like I wasn't doing anything productive, and then you know, I would talk to my wife about it and it would just go away in a day or two and I'd feel fine again. But I was thinking about it, that hardly ever happens to me now. And I wonder if <laughs> the, the really regular exercise that I do, the running, so I run normally six or seven days a week, um, you know, sometimes slightly less, but you know, I would hardly ever run less than five times a week. And, and I think all of that 
also combined with, I don't drink any alcohol anymore, I think that maybe has an impact as well. As maybe oh, years or so absolutely. Since I drank any alcohol, and that's probably the combination of things. Often a Monday morning would be, or a Monday would be the day <laughs> where I'd have that sort of, and that's just for having like had a few beers at the weekend uh, and that sort of thing. But yeah, I think I can appreciate it, but I've not experienced it in any sort of serious way, either myself or someone close to me. But I mean, I've seen so many stories of people that I can relate to, like a guy like Keith Flint or yeah. um, what was the guy, Scott Hutchison from Fighting Rabbit. Frightened Rabbit took his life recently. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that that yeah. hit me really hard, actually, because I, I did... I had spoken to him before. Um, I used to be involved in putting gigs on and stuff, and I had spoken to him about them playing a gig a, a whole lifetime ago. But and I knew I knew guys who who did know him as well. So yeah, that was I took that pretty hard actually, even though I didn't know the guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's I, uh, very potent, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I guess um, you are right. You're totally right. Um, everybody has. Uh, mental well-being and mental health so every everybody is at risk um, at different points in their life so and I think nowadays we're so open we're so more open now than we ever were before about mm -hmm. it so you hear these stories and people are talking about it more it's really important but like you say a healthy lifestyles we you know as a biologist um, we know that certain things are bad for us and certain things are good for us and exactly like you say if you're replacing uh, bad habits with good habits that's going to have a huge effect on your life yeah. uh, actually it, what I would advise um, everybody to do is and you'll know of this already through Jog Scotland um, but Sam H have uh, some really great courses that anybody can get access to and what those courses are really for is for people who want to learn about what mental health is and the different sort of types of situations that people can be in and also what to do you know what to do if you find someone you know or somebody in your running group or somebody that you're friends with or your family is you know maybe self-harming or if somebody's just depressed maybe or if they have anxiety or if they are even contemplating suicide and you know these courses are really really valuable because you know as somebody that had dealt with some of this stuff from a personal side I actually learned loads about how to help other people and um, and I realized just how diverse the topic is and why it's such a big deal so I would encourage um, anybody maybe in the show notes I can send you the links um, and people can get in touch and certainly if anybody's in Jog Scotland as a Jog Leader they'll have access to that because both the courses are part of the Jog Leader course now it's one of the things that you have to do to become a Jog Leader which is fantastic yeah 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 I'm, I'm all for that I mean I growing up in the northeast of Scotland and being a bloke there's a <laughs> it's you know and, I, and I'm one of three boys in my family as well so that my household was one of four northeast blokes and a poor mother and uh, the openness is non-existent you know there's no chatting about how you feel or any of that stuff and I think no, it's really no. important to get away from that and if, if you're struggling as they say or the, the quote it's okay to not be okay I think is yeah is thing. and you've got to accept that you know, you're not always going to be chirpy and happy your entire life. And mm -hmm. if you're feeling a bit down, don't just struggle through it yourself and, and yeah. someone. And, and, and that's a really good thing about the 
the Jog Scotland groups, um, even if you're not actually chatting about how you're feeling, you're getting involved with a group and you're doing something mm. positive. Oh, absolutely. And, um, if you've got someone in that group like uh, you, Jenny, who's very aware of the, the mental health issues, you can maybe open up a little bit and, you know. Yeah. And I encourage that. You know, anyone who's at my Jog Scotland group, if they were to be struggling and they came to me for a chat, they'd be really up for it. And, I'm, you know, I think I'm... I think I'm all right at chatting about that sort of stuff, you know, and I'd uh, <laughs> certainly be willing to listen to all the things to listen to. So, um, yeah, and I think it goes, they just look out for each other as well, as much as anything else. Yeah. Uh, keep an eye on your close, close ones and make sure they're feeling okay and, and ask, constantly ask. If they get annoyed at you, that's fine, you know. Um, rather that than clamming it all up, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Keep talking. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I wasn't really intending going as deep as that, but um, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's important and there's no, you know, there's no point in, in keeping any of that in if, if uh, the more people talk about it, the better. But, um, yeah, so let's, let's move on. I, I brought this up with our first guest um, of the podcast and Although mental health didn't really come into it, there was um, a bit of a chat in, in that interview about how how running can save your life and how running can improve your life. And and, and just for a bit of a spoiler, but uh, Camille Heron, our first guest, who is a world record holder at various distances over the, the ultra marathon, she was explaining to me how at one point in her life she was homeless and she had lots of... Yeah. Um, lots of different challenges to overcome. I don't think mental health really comes into it, but I think without running, I, I wonder where she would be, actually, because running is such a huge part of her life. And I think we'll maybe just go into that interview and, and let you hear for yourselves. And I was so pleased that Camille agreed to come on to a brand-new podcast with zero credentials. And... Uh, She's so open and honest and down to earth. It's absolutely amazing, and <laughs> I can't express my gratitude enough to an absolute ultra running legend that is Camille Heron. Okay. Okay, welcome to the podcast, uh, Camille Heron. Thank you so much for for joining us. Um, it's a real pleasure to chat to you and to hear, you. hear about your your running, what's been going on. So, um, the first thing we're going to do with each guest on here is to ask for your funniest running related story. Can you <laughs> give us a, an insight into that? Yes, I was, I, uh, thanks, yeah, thanks for having me, yeah, my, my funniest running related story, I, I would have to say it's probably meeting my husband, um, so I met my husband at a jazz festival, and, uh, two runners at a jazz festival, I mean, what are the odds of that, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> basically, he, he came up to me, and, uh, he said, uh, you look like a runner, and uh, so sure enough, sure enough, you know, I am. And uh, so, yeah, we pretty much hit it off from there. And, uh, yeah, we've been together now for, what, uh, 18, almost 18 years. So wow. <laughs> almost cool. half my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. So uh, yeah. that's, that's a quick, it's quite a chat line, that, is it? 
Yeah, brilliant. Okay. Um, I, I, I thought you may have uh, mentioned your comrades win the final stretch of comrades. That's oh, funny, that's true. That was quite yeah. funny. Yeah, it was, it was actually scary, but yeah. <laughs> quite quite the blooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be, maybe have a chat about that one a bit later when we speak about comrades. But um, so... Yeah, thanks for that. So, um, yeah, the, the normal sort of stuff that you get asked in these interviews, I suppose, is how you got into running and what your background is and, and exercise mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. So I read a little bit somewhere about the crazy basketball practice you used to do when you were a yes. kid. Um, that that yep. probably set you up for being an ultra runner, but m maybe you could tell us a bit about that first. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up, I was pretty athletic as a kid, and uh, my dad and grandpa played basketball at Oklahoma State, and uh, my mom was a swimmer and golfer, so, um, so yeah, my, my parents exposed us to all different kinds of sports, and, um, yeah, it was pretty much from basketball, and hear, hearing my dad talk about how when they played and practiced at Oklahoma State, and they would practice without drinking water, so they'd have like six-hour practices and not drink water. So when I was a kid, um, I got a basketball goal for my seventh birthday, and I remember that summer after that, um, practicing in my driveway until I would start blacking out. Uh, not drinking anything or eating anything, and um, and then I would run inside and you know get like a coke and a sandwich, and uh, and then I run back outside and keep practicing. So uh, that's what I thought I had to do to to get better <laughs> as an athlete, and I I would do that every day, uh, you know, as a seven year old, pushing myself till I would black out. Um, and it wasn't like my parents were like forcing me, so it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't anything, uh, you know, that they did, it was what I actually did, you know, I had this internal drive from the beginning to, to push myself to the extreme, um, and then um, in junior high, our basketball team had to go out for off-season track uh, for, for conditioning for basketball, and from the first day, I could just run and run and run. Uh, everybody else would start like walking after a couple laps around the school and I just kept on running and um, I thought they were just being a bunch of wimps. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know that there was anything special about me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was pretty obvious from the, from the first day that I was going to be a distance runner, so. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's quite a story. I mean, the, the practice until you black out when you're age seven. I mean, <laughs> Uh, and, and then refueling with a coke it just sounds like an ultra doesn't it it, it, it was <laughs> yeah. it was and that's, yeah uh, it's mental i mean seven year olds these days there won't be many of them doing that but it's it's clear that uh, <laughs> as you say you were you were destined to be a, a distance runner with that sort of endurance and it's clearly done you no harm doing that sort of hard practice back when you were a kid yeah yeah, I, I was I was the you know, you, you hear stories about uh what's the Tiger Woods playing golf like when yeah. he's like three years old. Um, you know, and a, a golfer's the type of person that they you know, you practice your skill until you master it. And um I mean I grew up I wanted to be like my dad, I wanted to be a globe trotter. Um, I mean I was in my driveway 
every day as a kid practicing my ball handling and my shooting. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I had that drive um, from the beginning. And with, with four, four kids in our family and we all played sports, um, I was the only one who really had the drive to, to work at it and to continue <laughs> with it and try to become the best that I could be. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I, you know, whether it's genetics, genetics or the environmental impact, you know, just from it, being a seven-year-old pushing myself till I'm blacking out, I mean, I feel like it's just ingrained in me from the beginning, so. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really interesting if you're, you're one of four <laughs> and you're all sporty, but um, there's probably not much been done differently, you know, I can imagine we always think about with our kids, we do the same thing with our kids and they're not exactly the same, the way they behave and all the rest of it. So there's obviously something just internal that, that has driven you on without, you know, pushy parents or any of that sort of thing. It's really, it's really interesting, actually. It is, yeah, yeah. for sure. So, um, but yeah, as far as like how I, how I kept, I kept going on with my running, um, I mean, it was pretty obvious that I was, I, I just felt like I had this natural ability with my running, and so I eventually gave up the basketball and just kept going with the running. Um, I mean, I remember my first cross-country meet and um, going to the meet, and all the other little girls looked like me, so I've always been, like, really tall <laughs> and slender. Well, actually, I wasn't, I wasn't tall yet. I hadn't gotten my growth yet, but I was, I was built like my dad. I'm just all arms and legs. Um, <laughs> So yeah, when I went out for cross country, like I knew I had found my sport, and that's yeah. pretty much what made me give up the. I gave up the basketball and realized that running was kind of my more natural calling in life. So, um, yeah. And, and how old were you at that point when you started um, running? So that was in the eighth grade, and um, when I went out for cross country, so um, we had to go. We had to go out because our basketball coach in the eighth grade was the softball coach. So we either had to choose between softball or cross country, and I I was the only one that chose cross country because all the other girls thought it was the harder sport. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nobody wanted to do cross country, so I was the only one that chose to do cross country. And um, I ended up, I think I was, got like 11th at the state junior high meet, uh, which I thought was a big deal at the time. I mean, 11th, <laughs> 11th yeah, at the no, state, no. I, I thought that was pretty good. Um, no. But yeah, I, like, I just kept going up, 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 like from there, so. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I can um, sympathize with your friends who didn't think cross country was good fun, because <laughs> I remember doing that, and I'm not, I'm not sure how, they, how it works out, but it was the primary school over here, so maybe up to about the age of 11 or 12, we did uh, cross-country through the school, and I absolutely hated it. I really didn't <laughs> like it, but I, I did it because I used to get to go to uh, cross-country practice in an afternoon and skip an hour of school, and uh, and that was the only reason I did it. I really didn't like it, but I, I love it now, now that I've got back into running as an adult. Yeah. But yeah it's um, over here in Scotland, it's uh, through the winter where it's very miserable and wet and cold and uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a baptism of fire for, if you like it when you're that age, you're going to grow up loving it, I think, that's... Cool. Yeah, I loved so, yeah. it, I loved, I just loved how my body would, like, flow over the hills, and uh, it was, it was fast, the other, it was, it was so fast, and uh, just so, like, liberating, you know, being a kid, like, running over the hills, and... Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, I just I just fell in love with that, and I like I I felt like I actually liked cross country way more than I did track, 
Um, yeah. And I was I was probably a better cross country runner. I had I had more success on the track than I did in cross country. Um, but but cross country was like the one that like really like inspired me. And uh, now that I'm in trail running, like it it feels it feels so natural to me. Like I really yeah. really enjoy it. So. Do you think there's an element of that um, to do with, I suppose, the, the sort of time pressures with track running? You know, everything's down to splits and times, and cross country is just pure racing. Yeah. Who cares about your time? Exactly. I, yeah. I always felt like track was kind of more artificial. Yeah. Uh, it was everything was so like so like strict and and all about splits. And for me, cross country was freedom and. Yeah. Uh, being being liberated and running across the the hills and enjoying the the scenery around you, um, but yeah, it was it was really cool for me to because I grew up with this love of cross country. It was really cool to get into trail running, and uh, I mean it's it's a very like moving emotional experience to to do trail running, and um, yeah, I feel I feel like I I'm like why didn't I try this sooner? Like <laughs> it would. Uh, trail running would have been a natural fit for me, but um, yeah. but yeah, I got I got into road racing, and I guess road racing is kind of like the hybrid between track racing and trail running. So it's yeah. kind of more of a natural environment, but at the same time, like road racing is still pretty strict and all about time mm -hmm. and sports. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I'm I'm very happy that I've been able to progress my career into trail running, and and yeah. now I have like a whole new set of goals to go after. So. Cool. So, uh, so that's sort of leads me on to the question I was going to ask you, which was a fairly natural one. Was how um, maybe we'll take a step back. I was going to ask you how you got into ultras, but your your progression through the the road racing. So you you've got some pretty good marathon times. I think your PB is about two thirty seven. Yeah. Um, qualified mm -hmm. for the Olympic trials a number of times in, in the states, which is done a little bit differently from from over. In the UK, I mean, there's there's a standard to hit, and then there's a couple of automatic places if you win, if if you finish first and second at the trial race. But the Olympic trials in the US, it's it's much different. Could you just describe that for the listeners so we can get a, a feel for how that works? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I guess I guess I should progress my how I got into all the road racing. So, um, I I actually when uh, the tail end of my high school career and into college, I had a lot of stress fractures, and so I became a recreational runner. And in the meantime, I met my husband, uh, as I mentioned at this jazz festival. Um, and uh, my husband was a serious athlete, uh, but he, he was an Irish citizen when I met him, and he was trying to get his American citizenship. And uh, this, is, this is just before 9-11, so he had applied for his American citizenship, and, um, and then 9-11 happened, and there was a bit of a delay in him getting his citizenship, but he finally got it in 2002. And so he was uh, trying to get himself back in shape at that time to make the U.S. Olympic marathon trials, um, which for our Olympic trials has a time standard that you have to hit to, to make this race. And so uh, Connor got his U.S. citizenship. He got himself back in shape. He hit the time standard to make the Olympic marathon trials. And so he ended up going to the 2004 Olympic marathon trials. 
And at that time, I was just a recreational runner. Uh, so I, like, the furthest I had raced was, like, a 5K on the roads. And I'm just, like, helping my husband with his running career. And we go to the Olympic marathon trials, and um, I'm surrounded by all these other elite runners. You know, I, I was always inspired by my husband, but to, to be uh, meeting somebody like Meg Kifleski, um, who, you know, goes on to win the Olympic silver medal in the marathon, yeah. um, I mean, it was super inspiring for me. Mm -hmm. um, to meet all these runners, and so um, how, how it happened that I got into the road racing, uh, getting more competitive again, was uh, my husband and I, uh, we were up in training in Boulder the summer after the Olympic marathon trials, and uh, one day we went out running together, and uh, I didn't get back until after Connor, after he had finished his run, and he was really shocked by that because he was like, well, you know, how much are you running? He, uh, and so I told him I was running about 70 miles per week <laughs> uh, <laughs> for, for fun, like not even yeah. like training seriously, uh, you know, just, just for fun, just because I like to run. I was just getting out and running 70 miles per week. So he, he was like, well, that's quite a bit of running, like <laughs> just to be running. <laughs> so, yeah. uh yeah, so he, he started giving me workouts, and uh, my running career just took off from there, and he just started coaching me. Um, so, yeah, I ended up going on and uh, qualifying for three Olympic marathon trials. So I hit the time standard um, in 2008, 2012, 2016. And uh, for my first marathon, I ran 248. And then I got my marathon time down to 2.37 was my best of the 2012 Olympic marathon trials. So, um, but yeah, as far as how I got into the ultra running thing, um, so, so most elite marathoners usually run like maybe only one or two marathons a year. Uh, but I got, I got kind of wrangled into running one marathon after another after another, <laughs> and being this, uh, doing the whole marathon maniac thing. Uh, and funny enough, like when I started doing it, I started running one marathon after another. My, my inspiration was Bill Rogers. So Bill Rogers would run like six or seven marathons a year, and he ran them all like really, really fast too. And so he was kind of my inspiration, and um, and that's kind of what what kind of led me into the whole ultra running thing. So, cool. <laughs> um, that's that's amazing. That the whole seventy mile a week thing is a recreational runner. How how long do you think you were doing that sort of mileage for before you got into actual training? I mean. Um, so I, yeah, so what, I, I think I, I had gone to the Olympic Marathon Trials with Connor in 2004, and I got so inspired by all these runners and what they, just seeing, seeing them and being around them, um, and then I think I just, over the next couple months, I, I just started running more, like, I started, like, enjoying it and, um, really just, I don't know, I was just inspired, I guess, I don't know what happened, um, but but we <laughs> we we went up to we went up to Boulder, Colorado though, and um, we're on all these like trails and all this like beautiful scenery, and I think I was just inspired like being in that environment and and like just seeing all these other amazing runners, and I just started running a lot. So yeah, um, 
Yeah, I don't think I even really had any, like, goals necessarily. I just, like, I was out, like, in, you know, on these trails and in nature, and, I, mm -hmm. you know, I was just out running. I don't know. It was like, like you know, Forrest Gump or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Um, so, yeah, you, you did that 70 miles a week. And what, what did your training look like after you started and the corner started helping you with your structure. Was it still seventy odd miles per week when you were doing the sort of two thirty seven marathon, or did you increase it by that stage? Yeah, so I I think it was about a uh, maybe about a two two and a half year process for me to get myself um, above a hundred miles per week. And so yeah, I, like when he started coaching me, I was at about seventy, and then over two and a half years, I progressed above a hundred. And once I once I got above a hundred, um, I was running twice a day by that point, um, on most days, and I actually felt better. Like the more I ran, the better I felt. And so, um, like I, I think I went something like sixteen straight weeks of averaging over a hundred miles per week. And Connor Connor was like, Wow, he's like he couldn't even, like, when he was a serious runner, he couldn't even handle running that kind of volume, like, mm -hmm. for that long, like, that consistently. And so he, he said, he, he always jokes that he knew I was going to be an ultra runner because I, I could handle such a large yeah. volume over a long, like, way more than he could. Um, and so, yeah, and it's, it's funny, you know, being, being a woman being a woman and I'm running, like, way more volume than even, like, my husband, who was the elite runner, um, yeah. you know, we, we, we tend to think that women can't handle as much as the men can, but, you know, here I am, I'm running way more than my husband did, um, and so, yeah, I, I just kind of, like, broke all kinds of, like, you know, perceived limitations for women, um, yeah, yeah, yeah I think we're seeing, cool. see, sorry, I think we're seeing a lot more of that now as well, those um, perceived barriers are being broken down and particularly in ultra running there's there are so many amazing female ultra runners and you know normally in running you know any distance sort of marathon downwards it's uh, the fastest men are faster than the fastest women but um it seems to get a bit closer the longer we go i mean uh, i think you've got the the fastest 100 mile trail ever recorded and uh Jasmine Paris recently uh, broke the all-out record for the spine race in the UK, uh, and that sort of thing. And I think there, I think we're going to see more and more of that as uh, as more sort of role models like like you and other female runners um, are heard and seen in, in doing these things. I think that's yeah, great. it's it's yeah, it's it's been I. I, uh, yeah, since I've gotten into the ultra running, the, I really think it, it really just comes down to your mind um, the longer you go, and I think that that's why, that's why you're seeing more women that can exceed the men in the ultras, because it just becomes more mental, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, like we're talking about the training aspect, I mean, I, I could physically handle more volume than my husband could. Yeah. Uh, without breaking down, I mean, he 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 always said that he could go he could go maybe about 120 miles per week for like a couple weeks until he would start to feel like niggles in his body. And me, I mean, I've done it. I've I've averaged over 100 miles per week for 12 years. <laughs> so my, really, yeah, wow. yeah. So I, yeah. 
So what, what's yeah. your highest week then? What would you do as a, as a max, maxing out sort of week? Uh, so I, I've kind of got my sweet spot about 120 to 130 miles per week. But, um, I mean, w with all these ultras that I've done, I mean, I've reached over 160 miles per week. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, a regular, as far as a regular training week, I mean, I, I rarely ever get above 140 miles per week. Um, but, yeah, I stick, like, about 120 to 130 is, like, something that I can sustain for a pretty long period of time and, like, feel really good with it. Um, but, but, yeah, like... A, a lot of men can't even do that. Oh, no. I, I don't think there are many, many human beings who can do that. <laughs> That's unbelievable. That's yeah. serious, serious mileage. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, for, for comparison, perhaps I'm, I'm not an ultra runner at all and, and have only done one or two marathons, but um, my biggest ever week is about 70 miles. And, uh, you know, I would normally, I'm, if you're talking about averages over a period of time since I've started running, Seriously, my average is probably about 35 to 40 miles a week because mm -hmm. of you know, the lower weeks and higher weeks. But that's averaging over 100 for 12 years is, that's insane. It's, really. it's well, pretty it's, insane. It's not insane because it works. Yeah. It's not insane actually because it works. And, uh, yeah. But it's, it's incredible. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, it's I I I joked that I'm I'm like the mouse that gets on the wheel and like <laughs> runs all day like just because it's like wired to do that. I mean I yeah. everybody's like everybody's like oh you know because even though I'm a serious athlete they're like they're like do you actually enjoy running and uh, you know whatever whatever's going on in my body I mean to me like running is like breathing air or something like yeah. <laughs> it's like my body my I'm like that mouse that gets in the wheel and like I I just love to run I don't know it's yeah. like it's it just feels so natural to me so I think it would be fairly disappointing if you didn't enjoy it and you're running <laughs> twenty miles a week <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know. I don't really like this, but I'll just keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in in a in a training week, so you've got, let's just say, 120 to 130 miles as your sweet spot. What would you mind sharing? What what happens in that week? It's just sort of roughly. Yeah. So um, I guess I guess it just depends on how I'm feeling. Like a lot of my training is just really about how I feel, and um, Connor's coaching me. And um, I mean, a typical week for me when I'm in training mode, um, I might do like two hard sessions a week, um, uh, plus a long run, or um, or my long run might be one of the two workouts that I two hard workouts that I do. So so yeah, yeah I'm. Uh, but in between, in between my hard workouts, I'm just jogging easy, uh, which an easy, yeah. easy day for me is going to be about eight to nine uh, minutes per mile pace. And um, I don't know, do you guys go by my kilometers? I'm not sure. <laughs> how to well, in, in the UK, we well, it's a bit of a mix really. But I, I do miles, but um, lots of people do miles. Some people do kilometers. Kilometers. But yeah. yeah, yeah. I understand minutes per mile. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, I think that might that might be about uh my pace is about eight fifteen or no let's see kilometer per let's see was it kilometer pace? I think eight, five eight eight and five are about the same eight minutes per mile and five minutes per kilometer I think. Oh, okay, the yeah, or about five fifteen or five fifteen yeah. per kilometer. Yeah, yeah five fifteen okay. to five thirty. So yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so my, I mean, I go really easy on my easy days, and <laughs> I go really hard on my hard days, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm doing all kinds of, like, short intervals, long intervals, and tempo run type progression runs type stuff um mm -hmm. and then and then once or once or twice a month i do a really hard hill session um so we we usually go drive down to mount scott uh which is like this long steep climb up this mountain um and so i'll do like hard hard hill sessions um up mount scott to, to try and train me for races like comrades so yeah and do you run hard up and down when you're doing those sessions yeah yeah, yeah. so when yeah when you do uh when you do a hill session the most important aspect is the the downhill part mm -hmm. um because you're trying to condition your your legs for the the downhill running because that's the part that hurts the most yeah. um so so yeah if you do if you do a couple like hard hill sessions and um, emphasizing the downhill part it'll help to protect you against cramping yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've felt the the jelly legs for days after doing a, a hill race, and <laughs> yeah, not not properly conditioned for it. Yeah, it um, you run downhill the following day, and, and you can barely do it. Your legs are about giving way. So, yeah, it makes perfect <laughs> sense to, especially yeah. in a race like uh, comrades, where if you do the down, it's uphill one year, downhill the other year. But it's it's up and down the whole way, isn't it? Really, but, um, yeah, you're ready for that uh, long yeah. run. So I, I won I won the Comrades uphill course, yeah. uh, and I I actually I live in we we live in Oklahoma, so I live in like the flattest part <laughs> of America, and so I, I I have a lot of I have a lot of pride that I won the Comrades uphill course, yeah. uh, living in a flat part of the country. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and like you say, you've got to go. How, how far have you got to go to that Mount Scott? Is that how far do you need to drive? Yeah, so it's it's about a ninety minute drive from okay. our house. So it's a good it's a good bit of a drive. Uh, but we just we like just spend a whole a whole day uh, yeah. down there and yeah, just get in like a good like two hour uh, workout session down there and uh, just hammer just hammer up and down that yeah. mountain. So and and how long how long is it like in distance wise from the bottom to the top? Is that a good? I think a couple it's, miles. It's, yeah, it's about uh, it's probably about four to five k, and okay. up up to the up the top of the mountain. And so I usually usually what I do is I run all the way up the top, and then I hammer the downhill, <laughs> and then I and then I do I do like five minute five minute repeats uh, mm -hmm. down at the bottom until until I start to get tired. Um, yeah, and then that's pretty much it. So yeah, that that, that sounds like a really <laughs> Really intense session, so you batter yourself first before you do your hill repeats. I mean, that's yes, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that sounds like pretty tough stuff. It's hard. It's <laughs> yeah. tough. Yeah. I do it really, really hard. I do the entire yeah. workout hard, so it's almost like, like I can probably get about eighteen miles or so, and it feels wow. it feels like I just ran a marathon. Like it's it's a pretty hard session. So yeah, and I think. Yeah, I think that's a small insight into what what makes somebody as run as well as you do. You know, breaking records and all the rest of it. You've got to be made of really tough stuff, and it goes all the way back to that first story of you training so yourself till you blacked out when you were seven. I mean, there are yeah. many people who could complete no. the workout like that, going sort of full full bore up and down the hill. It's 
yeah, I'm I'm getting so relaxed thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's cool. Is, is there anything that I, I'm assuming that maybe I'm assuming wrong, but do you do other stuff as well as the running? Do you if you got a sort of structure around strength training and stretching, like yoga or any of that sort of stuff, or or is it just purely yeah. running? Uh, yeah, I, I get I get asked this a lot uh, because everybody's like, well, you know, what else do I do? And, <laughs> and <laughs> I, obviously, like, I, I mean, I if you want to be a really good runner, you've got to run a lot. And yeah. so I, I run a lot. Like, mm -hmm. I run a lot, like, week after week after week. And so, I, I mean, I, I would say that the running is mostly what makes me what I am. Uh, but I did, I did start strength training. Um, back in 2008, um, so I actually I have a I have a research background in strength training. Um, okay. Going back to when I was an undergrad, um, I learned all about the benefits of strength training and uh, what it does to you hormonally. And so uh, when I started adding in strength, when I started adding in strength training back in 2008, my thought my thought was if I do like heavy uh, upper body exercises. That um, to the point of fatigue, um, your your body your if you do if you do heavy strength training to the point of fatigue, your body produces blood lactate, and uh, when it produces blood lactate, it also creates a surge um, of growth hormone release. And so my thought my thought was if I uh, do the heavy strength training twice a week and I get this growth hormone release. That it's going to help my body to get uh, to recover and to get stronger over time, and so I kind of put this. This is this is actually supported by research I did as an undergrad, um, and so I I kind of put it to the test that I was going to do this heavy strength training um, with my up with my upper body to get this systemic growth hormone release, and uh, and once I started doing it after six weeks. Um, I saw a jump in my running fitness, and so I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "This is like you know the application of my research, you know, to my running, yeah. and it's actually paying off." And so, uh, so I found that I, consistently, uh, whenever I would implement my strength training routine um, with my running, I would see this jump in my running fitness after six weeks. So, so now, um, whenever I'm like have a peak race coming up, I will implement my strength training protocol uh, eight weeks before the race, and uh, very consistently I see that jump in running fitness after six weeks, and uh, that's kind of like you know what helps me to to reach like peak fitness for a race like Comrades and such. So that is that's really fascinating because and and I. I was actually on a, on a running coaching course just the last couple of days and strength training came up in conversation and they were talking about strength training but it's a traditional view of it as you know to supplement your your running so your core strength which helps you your posture uh, when you're fatigued um, arm strength for arm drive and all that sort of thing but, but I asked the question of the guys given the course um, would a marathon runner do much of the maximal strength type stuff, you know, the really heavy weights? And they said, well, probably not, because it wouldn't really help. But it sounds like your research uh, 
totally contradicts that. And and I was just thinking as you were talking there, I, and I was having this thought the other day as well, because I don't do any strength training, and I should do, but I the only time I ever did it was probably about two and a half years ago, and I did it just once a week, and it wasn't a lot, maybe half an hour or so once a week. And mm -hmm. that's where my PBs came from. And I haven't run, a, I've run one PB since 2016. <laughs> And, you know, the thing I was doing, I was in the gym doing just, like, deadlifts and um, uh, bench pressing and that sort of thing um, pretty much every week for a few months. And, you know, that was a time when I was running my best. And, yeah, I'm mm -hmm. going to go back and do some more strength. I'm definitely going to go back and do some more strength training. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, think, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it worked. And I was thinking that already, but when you just described that, I thought, wow, that's, uh, you know, and it's not, it's not a coincidence because you've done it consistently I've done it and it and it's very worked. consistently. Yeah. 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 And I, I, yeah. And and this is just my upper <laughs> body. Like yeah, I'm yeah. not even doing I, I let the running take care of my yeah, lower body. I mean, but it's, you're not gonna it's, need Yeah, I mean it's it's cool that you can work your upper body and get that, that growth hormone release that uh, that helps your whole body to, you know, enhance your running performance. So, uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. I love that. That's interesting. And, yeah. um, and you're, you're, you're never going to need any real strength training in your lower body anyway because if you're doing those hill sessions and, and, and those number of miles, you're going to be pretty strong from the waist down anyway. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm very, very super strong, and um, <laughs> I mean, I, I do, I do, uh, I, because I, I've had some hamstring issues. I do um, some supplemental stuff with my lower body and things like just squats and deadlifts and uh, handball curls. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, like. Uh, and and I like I, I mean I've I've PR'd with and without strength training, so it's not something mm -hmm. that I always do. But when I want when I want to reach like peak fitness for a race like Comrades, I will absolutely yeah. do the strength training. And I mean I, I think I think like running uphill, um, I think it really helps to work your upper body and to, to have good uh, posture when you're running uphill. Yeah. Um, and so like I'm I'm very I've got long arms. I'm very like arm centric, and uh, I mean you can use your arms to help propel you uphill. So yeah, yeah, definitely. That's uh, that's one of the things. Um, they're quite heavy on that that sort of coaching thing is the arm the arm drive. And we did a little exercise in that um, where we sort of did a a slow fast, you know, slow around the straights and fast across the diagonals, and then they they did a little arm exercise in between and then sent us round again, and the observation was just by driving our arms more following that little exercise that we're all running faster, we're all lifting our knees up higher, and we'll have better posture. Just just what, two minutes of this arm exercise, it was quite incredible. It was, yeah. you know, that, that sort of thing consistently, it's, it's going to help your running for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I, like, when, I, when I'm running uphill, I imagine that it's like I'm I'm grabbing a rope, like I'm yeah, climbing. Yeah. I'm climbing. I'm using my arms, and like I'm climbing a rope, and yeah. and that's that's like that's kind of the feeling that I have when I'm running uphill to help like propel the rest of my body uphill. So I mean, you really can if you really think about your mechanics and how you're using your arms. 
And I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a very good uphill runner and Amish just because of mechanically how I think about using my arms and, and strength training my arms, so. Yeah, that's, yeah, definitely. I've, I've heard that analogy about the rope before, actually, and I've used that myself. Um, I, I kind of use it to try and keep my arms straight rather than going across my body as well, you know. Yeah, going, yeah. Because yeah. you lose all sorts of um, less efficient running if you're, uh, if you're going across your body and twisting and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So, what about stretching? Where? Do, what do you think about doing? Do you do plenty of stretching, or are you like <laughs> me and, and you stretch some and if it's a bit tight? Yeah. Um, I actually, I, I, uh, I stopped stretching as an undergrad. So, um, I stopped stretching completely. Um, I, I mean, I, I'd had a lot of injuries when I was younger, and I, I've always been somebody that's super tight. I mean, I'm probably the least flexible person you would ever meet. Like, yeah. I'm not. I'm not even kidding. Like, I'm the least flexible person in the world. Maybe I'm like super how, tight. How, how far down tight. can you get if you try to touch your toes? I am not getting very far. <laughs> it's pretty unbelievable. Um, yeah. But I, I do, I do. Um, my husband, um, back uh, like eleven years ago, I started doing um, drills. So I started doing drills, and um, it's like a dynamic stretching, yeah. Um, yeah. and and I I was always kind of skeptical about drills. I was kind of like, oh, I don't I don't really see how this is going to translate to to running. And um, but once I started doing the drills, I started to see like my 10k time improve and my 5k yeah. and my half marathon. Um, and so I I definitely became a believer in the the neuromuscular aspect of drills um, and and I, I don't under I, you know it's hard to it's hard to say like I don't even know if there's research to you know that could uh, back this up but I, I just know that once I started doing the drills I started to see how my PRs improve and um, so I, I definitely went from being you know skeptical of that to, to being like whoa there might be something to this um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much the extent of uh, my flexibility is uh, <laughs> I do the drills. So yeah, um, yeah, those yeah. those uh, drills. I wonder if that's a sort of uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's hard to describe. But what I'm thinking is along the if you do something enough times, you then it becomes automatic. So if you're doing the drills so that you're you know you're lifting your knees up high, you're pumping your yep. arms straight, and all that sort of thing that. When you just when you run, it becomes part of your running style and your technique, and, uh, yeah. and you become more efficient. And, and I imagine these, well, you see the track runners doing it, and uh, yes. for, for running fast, and um, it's a slightly different thing. But keeping everything, if you watch elite runners on the track, and you see the slow mo of sprinters, and their heads don't move at all, um, <laughs> you know, none of the side to side thing, like. Uh, yeah. you see, at the end of marathons and stuff, but yeah, and I think that's probably yeah. There's definitely something in that. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, I I'm not I'm not as uh, consistent with doing my drills like I used to. But if I if I got back into doing like the marathon and below type road racing, I would definitely mm -hmm. do more drills type stuff. Yeah. So and um, but yeah, I mean now now as a trail runner. And I mean, I think, but just being on the trials and, and you know, practicing your footwork 
uh, with the roots and the rocks and that sort of thing. Like that's yeah. that's that's pretty much my my technical uh, technical skill training that I do now. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it's very specific. So I mean, you, you kind of need to do that stuff anyway. Um. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you a bit about the different types of races that you run. So you've got a an unbelievably amazing track record at uh, all sorts of different races. So, I mean, we already spoke about your marathon, and, and a 2.37 marathon time is is brilliant. And uh, it's good enough to get into the, the, the Olympic <laughs> qualifiers for, for the for the USA, Team USA. But beyond that, the further you've gone, the, the, obviously the better you've, you've become, and everything's even more impressive. But it's the range as well that, that I really like. So you've got a few world records, so I mean any any world record is is obviously impressive. But you've, you've got uh, the sort of the fifty mile, the one hundred mile, the twelve hour, and the twenty four hour, and and the twelve and the twenty four hours that's run around a running track, right? Yeah. 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 So, Pretty crazy. Yeah. So, <laughs> I just want to touch on that first because I've I've heard I've never actually witnessed one, but I've I've heard um, people have done it before and. So if you're doing just for the benefit of, of me as well as the listeners, the the um, format of that basically is you start at whatever time and you run as many laps as you can in 24 hours. Are, are you doing all that in the same direction, or is it a sort of every X amount of hours you you turn around, you go back the other way? Is that how it works? Yeah. So uh, I'm 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 fortunate that I did the 12-hour race over a year ago, and so I got the experience of running on a track, you know, for, ha for half the day. And yeah. uh, the, the way it works is every four hours, we change direction. Okay. So every four, every four hours, we, fit, we basically finish that last lap, and then yeah. we, have to, we have to go around the cone, and then we just get going back yeah. the other direction. Um, yeah. So so yeah, I mean it's it's not entirely boring. <laughs> you at least, yeah, you at least have a, a little, <laughs> you have a little yeah. bit of a change in scenery. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, being being on being on a track like that, um, everybody's like, you know, is is that like really boring? And uh, I actually find that the track races are a pretty social experience because um, uh. you're. You're passing other runners yeah. like all day, and uh, yeah. and I mean you're you're going past your crew, you're going past like mm. people cheering you on and um, cheering on the other runners, um, and so it's actually a pretty social thing. Like, and yeah. I, I in fact I, I have to prepare myself for that because I I tend to be um, a bit of an introvert when I run. Uh, you know, I kind of, <laughs> I, I like, <laughs> I like to run by myself. You know, like, like, uh, like, kind of veg out. You know, but but when you're on that track, I mean, it's like this, like, very social, like, uh, very like extroverted uh, thing. So, um, yeah, I have to prepare myself for that because I, I'm, I tend to be a bit of an introvert when I run. But yeah, I have mm -hmm. to be more, be more social when you're on the track. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd never even given that a thought about, yeah, everyone involved in that race is at any one point no more than 400 metres away from you. <laughs> Which, you know, 
I mean, you can't say that about any other race. You know, I, I, I've never no. thought at all. So, yeah. all runners are, are you're, you're going to see because you're all going to be different paces. So at some point, you're going to be overtaken or overtake yep. every runner, and then you'll have a turnaround. So you'll see everybody when you turn around. Yeah. And all the, the scores. Yeah, yeah. I never thought of that. So, yeah. When you think, depending on what kind of person you are, if you think that running around the track all day sounds boring, then. It's 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 not really, but then if you run like fifty miles or one hundred miles in a race, the likelihood is you're going to be on your own for a good chunk of that uh, yeah. race. Uh, it could be hours at a time before you see another person. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I was list, listening to um, an interview just a day or the other day with uh, Nikki Spinks um, talking about the. Um, the challenges that are in the UK, the things like the Bob Graham round and the um, the Ramsey round in Scotland, and and she was saying that um, on the Ramsey round, so this is not a race; it's just a, a sort of time trial kind of idea. Get around all these these twenty four of the highest mountains in Scotland in this in this loop, and um, she was describing that at one point she wouldn't see someone for I think it was about seven hours, and her support crew that were uh-huh. coming to meet her at the meeting point had a four hour hike. To get to the meeting point and a four-hour hike wow. back. So, that, wow. so, so they're obviously they're, they're together, but she's totally isolated in that scenario. It's not a race, but uh, just an idea of what maybe like in you know in the mountains or on a trail somewhere, and you don't see anyone. But, but obviously that's not boring because it's you know you're you're in nature and uh, yeah. it's totally different. But yeah, that's yeah that's an interesting insight into the yeah the, the concept of a track race because. I was going to ask about the track racing as well. I've I've done a handful of races in the track, but short distances. I did a 10, 10k in the track once, so twenty five uh-huh. laps. Um, and you know, even even with that, I, I had people saying, "Oh, is that not a bit boring doing the ten k on the track?" And I was and and I well, not really, because I'm in a race and it's it's only twenty five laps. And the thing that I found much easier was the the pacing of it because you've got this. Every lap, you know, I had a pace in mind, a time in mind for every lap, and apart from the first one where I went off a bit quick, and the last one where I was going for the sprint finish, the other 23 laps were like within a second of each other, and it was just like a metronome getting around, and you know, and that was the first time I, I got myself under 40 minutes in a 10k, and I did it so much easier than I ever could have done on the road, and then that kind of got me past that barrier and helped me to be a bit quicker. But um, I was going to ask, how how does that relate to you know, 12 hours or 24 hours, what, what do you, do, do you have a time in mind per lap, or are you just running by feel all the way, do you, do you stop at any point for breaks, or how, how does that all pan out in a race? Yeah, so, um, <laughs> I know, I like, for me, it's all about focusing on my effort, and so, mm-hmm. for, for a 12-hour, 100-mile race, uh, I focus on about 75% of max heart rate effort, which for me is going to okay. be like, mm-hmm. which uh, 75% of max heart rate effort equates to like a steady long run. So like if, if, you're, if you're going at a long run pace and you're going maybe, a li- if you're pushing it just a little bit, like that, that, that sort of effort is what I equate the 12 hour to 100 mile uh, effort to. So I, I practice that in my training. Like I put on my heart rate strap 
and I practiced running at 75% of max heart rate. And so when I when I went for the 100-mile world record, um, which was on, on, a, on a pancake flat trail, um, and then also did the 12-hour race on the track, uh, I just focused on that, that effort that I had practiced in my training. Um, but uh, when I, at Desert Solstice, they do have a TV screen that's like giving your splits uh, for every yeah. 400 meter lap, uh, but but I I actually wasn't paying attention to that at all. In fact, I I didn't even <coughs> I didn't even know that that was happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know I know that a lot of the, a lot of runners do fixate on the TV screen, uh, and if they if they start to see their their splits uh, get slower, it kind of it messes with your yeah. head. And yeah. so, um, especially like I, I didn't, I didn't notice the TV when I did the twelve-hour race, but when I did the twenty-four-hour race, um, I, I started to notice the TV screen, and uh, the, the men that I was competing with, uh, they, 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 they talked about how the, they could see me moving up, they could see me catching them, and. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, and, and I wasn't, I actually wasn't paying attention to the TV screen. I was just focused on my own efforts. Mm -hmm. so I didn't, I didn't realize this was happening, but apparently the, the men um, said after the race that, that they, that they started to see their splits uh, drop off. And, uh, and then, and then me, I'm, I just kept chugging along. And so I think it, I think it really played with their minds. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. That 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 screen has been put there with the best intentions to help the runners know what their splits are. But I can I can totally see how that would have a negative impact, even if you're going well, because yeah. you have you, you could have one lap where you know you maybe lost a bit of focus or something, and you, and you just ran a little bit slower and go, oh man, I was slower, and then you maybe try to make it up for you know, yeah. and, and then instead of just focusing, I think on the on the I wasn't actually thinking about heart rate, but yeah, that's obviously a very good way to do it, and a, a lot of ultra runners do uh, keep their heart rate below a certain level. That's a, a method of of making sure they're not um, going to overcook it too early on. So, related to that, did, did you? So you, you go for that. It was a seventy-five percent, or you said of maximum. Yeah, heart rate. yeah. So how does that over the course of a day, if your heart is working at that? Um, effort. D does your pace stay relatively the same, or does it tend to slow down with the same effort as the day goes on? Yeah. So, uh, so for the twenty or for the twelve-hour race, and uh, the twelve-hour hundred-mile race, I was I was aiming for seventy-five percent max heart rate effort. So that's that's kind of the the ideal effort that you're trying to hold that as long as you possibly can. So okay, I mean I, yeah. I would say that that's like that's kind of like the threshold that you're mm -hmm. trying you're trying to for me I, I was just trying to focus on that effort and trying yeah. to hold trying to hold that effort for as long as I possibly could. Yeah. Okay. So I mean your 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 body starts to get tired and your your energy level starts to to you know to drop off and and in my in my mind I'm thinking you know, what does 75% effort feel like? Like, I'm trying to hold that effort that I've practiced in my training. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting, I'm getting tired, but 
at the same time, like, you know, as long as I focus on that 75% effort, like, that's kind of what keeps me going. So, um, but now when I do the 24-hour race, you're having to, to push through the night and yeah. sleep, sleep deprivation, hyperthermia, um, your glycogen gets depleted and you start relying <laughs> on fat metabolism and you need, you need more calories. Um, so it was a whole different level of exhaustion that you're dealing yeah. with. Um, and so for the 24-hour race, I was, I was focused on hitting 65 to 70% of max heart rate effort, uh, which, okay. is like, which is like my, my easy run pace. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. so we're, we're talking about my easy run pace is at like 8 to 9 minute per mile pace. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, you might, you may think like, oh, that's not that hard, but <laughs> when you, <laughs> when you, when you compound that over 24 hours and, yeah. uh, and you're having, you're, you start to get tired, you start to get cold, uh, you start to need more calories, um, your brain starts to shut down at two o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah. I mean, all these, all these things start to happen and, uh, you're having to push through that. Um, yeah. and yeah, and, and people, you don't, you don't know what a 24 hour race is like until you actually do yeah. it. So oh, it's God. not, it's not something that you can, you can <laughs> practice in training. It's, it's no. something that you have to actually do the race and you have to do that and experience it to know what your body is going to go through. So, yeah, you said that you, people may think that that sounds quite easy, but believe me, there's no part of me <laughs> running, running my easy pace for a full day sounds easy. And, and you mentioned that your normal easy day is eight to nine minutes per mile. And I am, I'm looking at the screen over here and your 24 hour, just for everyone's benefit, the 24 hour world record that you set was 162, ah, oh, so close to 163, 162.9 and that averages at 8.50 per mile. So that is, that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, do, do you know how many laps yeah. that was? I think it, I think they said it was like 655 laps. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that, I think that's right. Yeah. I'm having six, to remember how many six, laps. Six, five. Cheaper. Six, I, I, yeah, six five. I think it's six five five. Six hundred fifty five. Six five five. Yes, sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a lot of laps. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I just just to relate that back again to sort of an average average runner. I am um, two two years ago. Yeah, I was training to, to run a marathon, and the way the logistics of my week worked, the the most it seemed like the best idea was to go and run my twenty miler on the track because of what oh. I was doing that day, the rest of it, and uh, I, I ran, I had intended to, to do the, the turning around thing, so maybe do 10 laps one way, 10 laps the other way, or something like that, Okay. but, yeah. um, but I, as I was getting into my run, a group of um, runners came onto the, the track to share the track with me, <laughs> their, co their coach shouted, keep out of lane one, because so, I was yeah. around there, so I was like, oh well, I can't now turn around and run towards them, so I was doing, I did my 20 laps all in the same direction, not my 20 laps, 20 miles, which is like 80 laps, 80.5 oh, laps. Oh, And two days later, I got injured. <laughs> so, oh, it, yeah. so it, it, it turned out to be a terrible idea in the end. But I mean, <laughs> I, to, to go back to the, and I know it's 
comparing nothing like you in 24 hours. <laughs> but um, I, I, uh, I found that run, apart from obviously knackering my left leg um, by turning the same way all the, all the time, the actual running of it, I found it so easy in terms of the, the workout <laughs> I had 20 miles with, I think I had something like the middle 10 was not marathon pace, but, um, you know, sort of steady tempo type of thing. And it was just like, no problem, just got it done. So easy compared to when you do it out in the roads when you've got the hills and all this to think about. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I've never gone back and done anything like that since. <laughs> because, uh, because uh, yeah, I, I landed up with an issue and was out for a few weeks and yeah. didn't get to run the marathon after all. So I can't imagine uh, what running yeah. 24 hours around the track does. Yeah, I suppose with the turnaround, but then you're doing four hours at a time. So yeah. Four hours of the four same hours. turns, so your left leg takes all the the, the damage in, in that four hours, and then then you turn yep. around and do the same thing. Yeah. 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 How do you, yeah. It's. How do you recover from a race like that? <laughs> it's it's pretty difficult. I mean, um, I mean, I I've seen I've seen a lot of comments within the ultra running community that they they think that flat equals easy. And let me tell you, when you've been going for 24 hours on the same surface, yeah. the same repetitive surface, flat is not easy. Like, no. I would love, I would love to have a hill. Like, I would love, <laughs> I would love to change it up. And so, um, to, to me, flat is hard. Like, flat is fast. And mm -hmm. to go to go fast for an ultra, it, it just it's grueling, it's painful, mm -hmm. it's hard. I mean, if uh, as somebody who crosses over surfaces and uh, distances, uh, the the hardest events I I do are the flat ones, the ones yeah. where I'm going I'm going at a world record pace, or I'm running uh, you know 100k on um, a pancake flat road. Um, I mean, it's it's hard. It be, it beats you up like really, really bad. Um, in fact, when I when I did the 24-hour world record, um, after about 14 hours, um, it was like my shoe, the top of my shoe, started to like bunch up, and because uh, I I'd been going in the yeah. same direction, you know, for a long time. <coughs> the the, wow. the the material the material on the top of my shoe started to bunch up. And uh, it started to put like a pressure hot spot on the top of my foot. Yeah. And uh, I I had to I, I ended up going through three shoe changes um, wow. to to try and alleviate that that pressure on my foot. Um, and so yeah, I mean this is something that didn't happen until 14 hours into the race. So uh -huh. you know uh, all these all these like little quirks start to happen yeah. um, when uh -huh. you're running for that far. Um, and yeah, you're you're just trying to you're trying to troubleshoot every little mm -hmm. problem that pops up, so that you can keep going, and yeah, you know for that distance. So because I was going to ask you about whether you change shoes or not, so you've you've answered that one already. But yeah, I don't, although you've got those shoes ready, I don't suppose that's what you were thinking could happen. That's just something that you know that your shoes would bunch up at the top, and I mean that's nuts. I think it's just an insight into. Anything can happen if you're out for that long. Um, yeah. With, 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 yeah. That's, that's your that's your equipment rather than your body, but your body as well. And there's a, there's a there's a famous um, you're famous for eating the Taco Bell during the. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, 
I kind of had to look it up. I, I, I don't really know what a Taco Bell is because we don't, really, <laughs> don't really do it over here, I don't think. So, well, what, 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 what did you have in, in your Taco Bell? Yeah, yeah. So, so Taco Bell is like the, the fast food equivalent of McDonald's. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you guys have any, have tacos where you live, but uh, but yeah, Taco Bell Taco Bell's like like having a, a, a like a like a what where you get the the uh, I don't eat at McDonald's. <laughs> I don't know what what is the hamburger <laughs> the hamburger that they have there. The oh, that's a Big Mac. Yeah. A big Big Mac. Big yeah. Mac. Yeah. So this is like Taco Bell's like. Like the Big Mac, and um, so yeah, ah, I ended up. <laughs> I mean, right, I ended up. So. I ended up getting a. For for me, my favorite taco is uh, the double decker taco. Right. I get the double decker tacos, so it's like a. It's like a taco, a regular hard shell taco. Yeah. Uh, okay. Within within <laughs> like a, a soft shell, um. So they they use like they use like beans and they put like a, the hard shell taco in a soft shell. Mm-hmm. And so you have like a soft shell, hard shell taco that's called a double decker taco. Okay. Um, so that that's that's my favorite taco. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and and what's in, what's inside it? What's it filled with? Oh, uh, it's it's got like I guess like meat and tomatoes and lettuce and and cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Just a like bit it. a bit like a bit like your your Big Mac sort of idea. Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds. I've I've heard all sorts of stories of people craving. Strange things towards the the latter stages of ultra marathons, and and uh, and they just need to have that type of food. And that's what's going to get them through. But it sounds to your average runner who would maybe run a marathon at the most, you know, you would, most of us would would have a, an energy gel or two, or a few energy gels during the course <laughs> of the race, or an energy drink. But but trying to stomach any sort of real food, let alone something like fast food, like a Taco Bell or a Big Mac or something just sounds, <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine trying to eat that and then trying to carry on running, but it's, uh, I think it's a skill in itself, isn't it? <laughs> I I think so, I mean, I like like we're talking about, you know, me being a seven-year-old in my driveway, practicing basketball and running inside and having a sandwich and a Coke and then coming back outside and continue to practice. I mean, I've always been somebody that could eat food and mm-hmm. continue continue playing sports, and, and my gut my gut's okay with that. So, yeah. um, I mean, I've, I've basically been training my gut since I was seven. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah so. as well as everything else. It's, it's maybe not a surprise that you're a world record holder <laughs> given the, the, the training for the last um, couple of decades or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, that's... Um, so, how, how does your... You, you mentioned your your heart rate approach on your track race, and I think you said you do that on your your other races as well, so yeah. if you're going re- really long, you focus on your heart rate, but how does it differ? So you mentioned the um, the social aspect of being running around the track and everyone's there, and then, so clearly if you're winning a race and you're out of the front, you're not going to have much, if any, company. Maybe if there are elite men as well, you might have their, their company sometimes, but you're maybe not seeing many people. What do you have? Do you go through? So let's look at um, a hundred mile trail race because a really long one. Do you yeah. go through sort of those dark patches during one of those races, and how do you cope with them, and how do you come out of the other side of those dark patches? What are your strategies for that? Yeah, yeah, and so I. 
I pretty much I pretty much accept that every single ultra that I do, I'm going to have roadblocks. I think mm-hmm. of them as roadblocks, and it's all yeah. about it's all about how you work through that roadblock to get yourself to the finish line. And so, I mean, you think about you think about what are the things that are going to be your roadblocks, and what are the things that are going to to keep you from getting to that finish line. And um, I mean, you think about muscle fatigue. Um, hydration, nutrition, uh, the health of your body. I mean, I, I've had a couple of DNS where I had serious injuries that I physically should not continue running. Um, and so for me, the, the structural integrity of my body, um, you know, I, I'm somebody that would push my body until I have kidney failure or until I break, until I break my leg. So yeah. I, I'm trying to keep my, my body together um, so that I can get to the finish line. And so when I did the 24-hour race, I knew I had to keep on top of my hydration and keep on top of my calories. Um, you know, I hit, I hit 2 o'clock in the morning, and I, I know I'm going to hit a point in 24 hours where sleep deprivation is going to kick in. And so when I finally hit that point and I started to feel my mind go, um, I, I ended up having to walk for four laps. I had to get a taco. I had a beer. I took caffeine. I put a shirt on. And um, so there's, there's things that, you know, you have to do to get over those roadblocks to, to keep going forward. And so I, I accept that every single race I do, it's, it's not going to be perfect. You're going to have roadblocks. You're going to have to deal with issues. And it's all about how you deal with those issues to, to get to the finish line. Um, so, yeah, I mean, an ultra is a totally different experience versus a marathon where, mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you can pretty much have a perfect race if you run a marathon yeah. and, and you hit your PR. But for an ultra, the possibility of a perfect race is not possible. Like it's just not going to happen. I mean, even when I when I ran, I've run when I ran my fifty mile world record, I I got lost at one point. <laughs> I lost. I actually went up a road and I realized I was I wasn't sure if I was going the right direction. I turned back and went back. And um, I mean, I got lost. I. Uh, it was pouring rain. There was a headwind. Like the conditions weren't perfect <laughs> that day, and uh, I had all these things that were not that that went wrong that didn't go right, and I I still broke the world record. So so people, the 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 odds of you know having the ducks line up, you know, to to break a world record. I mean, it's it's next to impossible. Like I've not had a perfect race before, and I I know that every single race I'm going to have roadblocks. And I have to just just jump over those roadblocks and you know to get to the finish line. So yeah, you're making all of my excuses when I don't get a, a PB <laughs> or, a, or a PR. Uh, so pretty weak. Yeah, it was a bit windy, so I didn't have a good race. But yeah, so so your 50 mile world record, you must have ran further than 50 miles then if you got lost. How, how, I did. Yeah. Do you know how much you added on? Do you know? Uh, probably like. Maybe like 200 meters or so, or no, maybe right, not okay, that yeah. much. I don't know. I kind of ran okay. up the road, and then I came back, and then I didn't know which way to go because I was at a fork, and I, I, mm-hmm. uh, there happened to be a lady. I saw a lady like walking up the road. So I probably lost like maybe about a minute or more, yeah. and 
and I and then I ended up beating the world record by uh, what was it like a minute and a half. So I, I had a very as as that. I had wow. a very I had a very small margin of error that so, I could not screw up. You know. <laughs> so you, your your decision to turn around at that point was crucial. If you hadn't turned around, if you'd waited another minute, you'd have lost another yeah. two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's. That's really tight. And, yeah. and a 50 mile race. So, so your your time for that 50 miles, 5 hours 38 minutes. Yeah, so if you'd done like, I, d I can't tell what the previous one was, but. It, yeah, it was 540. or something. Yeah, it was 540. Yeah. Is that, was that an Anne Tracing record? Yeah. Uh, or was that, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Is that the one I read somewhere that you broke a record that was 26 years old? Was it that one? Yes. Um, I've yeah. broken several several of the world records were uh, over twenty five years old. So yeah, um, yeah, they're so even even her her twelve hour her twelve hour world record that I broke, I I beat it by just under a mile, and I had a I had a twenty I had a twenty minute pit stop at a hundred k. Where I was, I was not feeling good. Like I, mm. I had, I had gotten, I had gotten the fifty mile, the fifty mile and the hundred k track American records, um, which were all like over over twenty years old, and mm -hmm. so I hit, I hit a hundred k, and it was really hot that day, and I started feeling like heat exhaustion, and I had to. That was around like seven and a half, eight hours, and I had to go another four hours to get the twelve-hour record. So I, I had this twenty-minute pit stop. I had to get back on the track and get myself going again. And they told me, they told me if I hit eight-minute pace for the next four hours, I was going to get the record. And I think I had like maybe one or two bathroom breaks, and um, in that next four hours. And then I, I got the record by just under a mile, so. <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess, yeah, it, it, it sounds amazing that you were so tight. But then I suppose it's not that amazing, given that's why the record stood for so long. No, you're not going to come along and smash it uh, after twenty twenty five years. No, uh, I mean, no. I'm just having I'm just having a, a really quick look on on here, at just for the benefit of of listeners, just to show how incredible these world records are so 50 miles uh, on the road in 5 hours 38 and that equates to 6.46 per mile which yeah. is 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 a, a good chunk under sub 3 hour pace for a marathon yeah. uh, and then your 100 miles on the road 12 hours 42 and that comes out at 7.37 per mile so I mean that's um, yeah. there are people out there I'm sure who would be quite happy doing that for one mile, let alone <laughs> 100. Uh, and then your 100 miles on the track, um, which was that part of a 24-hour race? Yeah, that was, yeah. So that's yeah. Came out 8.03 per mile for 100 miles, and then your 12 hours on the track, 7.46 per mile, and your 24 hours on the track, 8.50 per mile for a whole yeah. day. Yeah, that's 100 and near, nearly 163 miles. That is phenomenal. Really, <laughs> and, and, and just touch on another couple of uh, amazing races, um, and you, you you cracked the record again at the um, I forgot how you say it, the one in New Zealand. Uh, Tarawera, yeah, Tarawera, yeah, Elpra. So, um, yeah. I think I'm right in saying you, you broke the record in 
a couple of years ago and then you broke it again. Is that right? Yeah, I broke. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they have two different races. Well, actually, they have three different races. Um, but two, two years ago, I broke the 102K course record. Ah. And uh, and then a couple of weeks ago, I broke the 100-mile 100 100 course record. Um, yeah, so I, I've got I I've got good. both course records at that Wow, race. well done. And yeah. is your, was one or both of them the overall record? No, the, the female, the female records, yeah. Right, okay, now I was confusing someone else. Okay, but yeah, yeah. so 100, 100 miles. So what's that, what's that race like? I've, I don't really know much about it. Is it, uh, is it on trails? Is it hilly, mountains? Is it flat? Yeah, so um, Terawera, uh, being in New Zealand, I mean, people, people are like, you know, I, I guess you could equate that to being like tropical forests, um, kind of like I, I envisioned, I envisioned it being like the uh, in the movie Lord of the Rings, where the, <laughs> yeah. the little the little hobbits are on like the trails and they're trying to like you know adventure mm -hmm. on these trails. Uh, yeah, that's so, what I yeah. think of when I think of New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like tropical forests uh, with like big tree roots, you know, big big gnarly trees and. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody's like, oh, you know, it's not like mountains, like, it's not like Rocky, the Rocky Mountains in here in the United States, um, but let me tell you, these trees are, like, super-sized, like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like these gnarly trees, um, like, mossy trees, and, um, yeah, and so, so I mean, it, Tarawera has a mix of going on, like, like, regular road, it has, like, road and, like, forest, um, fire road type stuff so it does, it does have some very runnable stuff but then you get on these like technical remote trails that are like the movie Lord of the Rings where there's like <laughs> these, these tree these tree roots that you're having to like climb over um, yeah it gets it gets really really technical and um, and so yeah we, we my pace my place uh, uh, my pace slows down very dramatically during the technical parts, you know, compared to the, the yeah. parts that are more runnable. Um, and so, yeah, for, for somebody that's a crossover athlete, you know, that's coming yeah. from road to trail running, I, I think it's a pretty good course because it gives you that exposure to what more technical trail running is like. Um, and so, so, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to do that race to give me the experience uh, to be prepared for uh, next summer when I do Western States and uh, the Leadville 100 miler, um, which are true kind of more true mountain type trail races. So uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that actually whether you, you plan to do any of these iconic uh, ultras because it looks it appears to me to be the sort of the next step for for someone like you who's you know really smashed out of market all these other races to go and have a go at some of these really big ones. Um, so you got Western States, was it Leadville, the other one you mentioned, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So, so next summer, next summer I've got uh, three big races. I'm going to do uh, Comrades, uh, which I'm, I'm, the, I'm the defending uphill champion. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, I got, I got to defend my uphill title. Um, and then three weeks later is Western States, um, which... Okay. You know, I don't have very much time between the races, <laughs> no, but, but yeah. But when when you th when you realize or when you think about that, I've run 162 miles in one day. Um, I think I think I can do two races with three weeks apart. 
So <laughs> I I have a I have a, a great bit of confidence. I can I can smash smash it out of the park for both of those races. Yeah. Um, yeah. That'll be, that'll be really exciting to, to see how you get on there. Um, yeah. Looking forward to that. Yeah. So is that in 2020 or 2019? Uh, that's this year. So this year, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Yeah. Exciting. And uh, be, beyond those races, I mean, do you see yourself taking on anything like the, the UTMB or, or uh, Badwater or any of these sort of ones? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. I mean, it, there's so many iconic races <laughs> that. Um, I mean, I'm 37 years old, and uh, you see women going into ultras into their 50s. Oh, yeah. um, so I, you know, my my priority, uh, my priority was to focus on all the world records, you know, while I'm still pretty fast and can can uh, get, you know, still have my leg speed to be able to to maximize my performance, you know. But I definitely see myself getting into more of the the iconic trail races, um, you know, UTMB, Badwater, uh, Spartathlon, uh, Marathon Disables. Um, I mean, I definitely I want to conquer all the all the big <laughs> <places, so. laughs> Why why yeah. not? You know, I've got yeah, that disability. Yeah. So um, yeah, we we actually we we bought a house up in Colorado, um, so that I can start preparing for the next step in my running career, trying to tackle all these mountain races. Um, cool. so yeah, that's that's kind of the direction I see my career going. So. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, that, that sounds exciting. Um, you mentioned Marathon Disable there, and I, I was going to touch on that a little bit, just a little bit later. I had a question I asked uh, on, on our Facebook page if anyone had any questions, and someone mentioned multi-day events and how you would prepare yeah. for that and that sort of thing. But that's not something you've done yet, is it, the multi-day thing? No, no, not yet. Absolutely. Look into it, cool. Yeah, uh, Marathon yeah. Disable is... Sorry, Marathon de Sable is one of these uh, races that we've all uh, heard of, and it sounds really cool. And, it, and it's one of these that's also really accessible because there's lots of people go and, and walk the whole thing, and you know they're out there for a very, very long time each day. But, um, yeah. but I've, I've heard the, the the stories of the you know particularly the, the British guys going there, and there's a guy Tom Evans, I think, who came. I think he was I third, know, Tom. Yeah, heard I think a couple that's years right. ago. Yeah. yeah. And, and out there, nobody knew who he was because uh, he was this sort of white British guy, and uh, he was mixing, <laughs> it with a, mixing it with the Moroccans who always uh, always win it. But um, yeah, it sounds really cool. It's the sort of thing I'd, I'd love to do one day. But um, like I say, I mean, the marathon's been my my longest one at the moment. But um, and all those other ones you mentioned, and they all sound amazing. Uh, things that you yeah, see in, in incredible. And that sort of thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, let's see how you go with those those uh, yeah. couple this year first, and then uh, yep. from there, be exciting. Yeah, it's gonna be exciting. Yeah, I I, uh, I eventually I want to do the Forrest Gump thing, uh, running across America. Ah, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of that's <coughs> kind of my my finale. Like there, there's that race, and then there's also the the self transcendence race. And um, that's in New York City that goes 3,100 miles around a New York City block. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's another level, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's it's all, like, mental. Like, yeah, yeah, it has to yeah. be. It has to be. That's, yeah, I've heard of that one, actually. Um, yeah, I'm just sort of looking at the clock. I've been doing this for a while. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um <laughs> 
But um, there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you about. So just one yeah. more on the on the on the races. Um, have you thought about Barclays? Is that something you ever fancy? Oh about? gosh, I I think that's probably the number one question I get asked. And <laughs> I, I, I get I I get asked that at least once a week. So all um, right. I do apologize. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's, I'm used to that. In fact, I, I was asked that last week, uh, yeah, by, by Running Magazine that's writing about the Barclay Marathon. Um, so, yeah, they, everybody everybody's wondering if I'm going to do it. And, um, I mean, <laughs> if enough people ask me, I mean, maybe I've got to do it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I guess I, I'm still so new to trail running that, I mean, I, I've had issues with uh, navigation, like just yeah. getting lost on trails. And um, I, would have to, I would have to research it some more on, because I know it's, it's not a marked course. Uh, yeah. I don't even know. I mean, they're trying to follow the, the flow of the terrain or something. I'm not even sure. It's kind of more like orienteering. Um, yeah, I think I think it's yeah. very extreme, very extreme orienteering, and it's yeah the, the the format just for the benefit of anyone who hasn't heard of it, it's um, this race out I can't even remember where it is in the states, but um, it's in a sort of national park kind of idea, and it's it's very mountainous, and it's a twenty-ish mile loop. I think it's maybe a little bit longer, but you've yeah. got to go around this around this loop five times, five times. So you've got to pick up pages of a book that's your checkpoint in the right order and you've got to get around within 12 hours per loop I think before you're allowed to start the next one so you've got a 12 hour cutoff which sounds very doable for 20 miles but it's absolutely brutal and uh, yeah. a lot of people don't get around the first loop and then if you get around three loops they call it a fun run and, uh, <laughs> and, and there are only something like 15 people or something who've completed the full five loops within the 60 hour cutoff in the history yeah. of the race and uh, yeah you, you've got to be a special kind of uh, runner and Crazy. person to, to, <laughs> yeah. to be able to, to do that I mean yeah. there's this thing that um, the guy Laz, Lazarus Lake the organiser has this yeah. thing which there's actually there's a, there's a documentary which people could watch on Netflix called um I think it's just called the Barclay Marathons, yeah. uh, and it's really, really interesting. But the guy, Laz Lake, who organizes it, he's got this thing. The number one bid goes to um, the sacrificial lamb, sacrificial I think he calls man. it. Yeah. And uh, uh -huh. basically, it, it wasn't known until the documentary came out. That everyone, nobody knew what the number one bid signified, apart from Laz and a couple of his mates. And it was basically, <laughs> they give it to someone that they don't think is going to get around one lap. So it could be... He, I heard him in an interview recently, and he, and he mentioned um, a really top ultra runner. Um, it's maybe like uh, Walmsley or somebody like that, Jim Walmsley or somebody. He's had the number one bid before, I think. I don't know, it was him, but somebody uh, like him. Was it Michael Wardian? Uh, was it Michael Wardian? It was, it was, yes. Yeah, it was Mike Wardian, yeah. I think it was. And the first time he did it, he got the number one bid. And, uh, that shows, you know, because he's a top class runner, but because yeah. of the way type of runner he was, they thought he's not going to make it. And I can't remember, he maybe did do one lap, but he, he didn't I definitely think he did. complete it. Yeah, no, so, I think he uh, that too far. Yeah, uh, so that, yeah, that's another one for maybe for you to look at once you've uh, rushed up on your, your navigation skills, perhaps. Yeah, uh, yeah, my, yeah. Uh, my, my friend John Kelly, who, uh, who finished Barclays, he, he wrote a mm -hmm. blog. He wrote a blog, and he, he thinks that a woman could 
beat it or could could finish it. And um, like he he talked about how he's he's a two forty six marathoner, so he thinks that a woman who's a, at least a two forty six marathoner yeah. could finish it. So I mean, there's a very there's a very short list of women who at least have that running ability. Yeah. But I mean. It goes far beyond running. Like it's oh, yeah. so like I don't even I, I, I mean I'm totally new to all the trail running. Mm-hmm. I mean I I have no idea about orienteering. I mean I would probably <laughs> I they would probably make me the sacrificial one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. But then you could you could secretly train very well for it. Get a number one <laughs> bed. It'd be, be the first one to complete five laps wearing a number one bed, that'd be it. <laughs> Yeah. That would be funny, but yeah, but I, I yeah. gotta eventually try it. Like I, 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 like if you had asked me this like a year or two ago, I probably would have said no way am I doing <laughs> yeah. that. But now that I'm, I'm getting a little bit more experience with the trial running, I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. well, maybe I should, maybe I should try it just to see what yeah. it's about. But uh, I think like you have to take it pretty seriously if you want to do it. If oh, you yeah. want to finish, like, like. Like these guys that have done it, it took them a couple of times to to, yeah, to finish yeah. it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So you probably have to commit if you want to finish it. You probably have to commit to maybe two or three years of attempts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Stuff, totally. Yeah. yeah. So um. So. Yeah, just kind of have a massive change of subject now. This is something that um I've I've got a bit of an interest in, <laughs> and um I wonder what your take on it is. So. There's a big thing in in running and athletics on uh, anti-doping and um, yeah. and I've I mean I think it's it goes nowhere near far enough even when you come to track racing and, and marathons and, and the Olympics and all that sort of thing where I don't know an, an awful lot about it but they do the out of competition testing is not as good as it should be and you hear all the stories of people in uh, Kenya and Ethiopia and all the rest of it and having access to it and, and there's that documentary from the, the, the guys in Russia and I'm sure it happens everywhere where it's it's very easy actually to dope and get away with it. Um, what's it like in the ultra scene? Do you, I, I, I don't really know anything about it. Is there, is there anti-doping measures? What do they look like? And, and do you think doping is a problem in, in, in ultra? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, my, my very first ultra was at Commissions <laughs> back in 2013, and I'm coming from a marathoning background where there is drug testing, there is out-of-competition mm-hmm. drug testing, and getting into ultra running where there's little to no money, I kind of I thought that, oh, well, maybe it's a cleaner sport. Like, maybe maybe there's less dopers because we're, we're kind of doing it more for the love of the sport. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, I, I, went to, I went to Two Oceans as my first ultra, which is one of the few ultras that has a pretty lucrative prize purse, and I ended up finishing 11th. And only the top 10 got honored and got um, awarded at the race. And so I'm on the sideline at my first ultra, and I'm crying. I'm crying because I missed, I had flown, you know, halfway across the world, and, you know, to run my first ultra, and I'm on the sideline. I didn't get an award or anything. I remember being on the sideline with Connor, and uh, Connor was like, well, you know, how much you want to bet that somebody in the top 10 is going to test positive for drugs? Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is one of the few ultras that does drug okay. testing. Mm-hmm. And so, sure enough, a couple of months after the race, um, 
it came out that, that the woman, a Russian who won the race, had tested positive for a steroid. And so sure enough, I got bumped up to, to tent. And, um, but I never, I mean, you know, you can't take back that moment of being honored. Oh, no. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, the emotional distress I dealt with that day, you know, it was very disheartening to, to be left off the podium. And I, so I miss, I miss being honored, um, at my first ultra. Um, I never got my medal. Um, you know, so I, like, it just really, it just really hit me, you know, that, that, like, I took it pretty seriously from that point on that, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, feel very strongly about uh, anti-doping um, in, in mountain ultra trail running. Um, and as, as I've gotten in more into it, um, I mean, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that back in 2015 that I won two world titles and I was never notified by anybody to be put on an out-of-competition drug testing list. And wow. I mean, I'm, I'm like the best in the world. I'm like, won world titles, I had broken a world record, like all this stuff. And I actually reached out to USADA, and I, I was like, is this a mistake? Like, why haven't you guys contacted me? You know, this is just, seems really strange to me. Um, so yeah, I mean, as, as I've researched it more, um, basically there's no out-of-competition drug testing happening in America. And I mean, I think that's wrong. Like, I'm like, what's going on? Um, and apparently, from from what I found, that um, at the um, at the world level, there used to be out of competition drug testing. That I think it was I think it was paid for by the IAF, um, or uh, I'm not really sure who was. I think it was the IAF, or maybe it was like uh, USATF was was paying for it. But uh, something something happened the past couple of years where uh, that that funding hasn't been being used um, to have out of competition drug testing of the top uh, world class ultra runners, um, and so yeah, it's like I I feel very passionate about this. I think there definitely needs to be more out of competition drug testing because our sport is pretty much like the wild wild west. Um, <laughs> Like yeah. unless unless there's in competition testing, you know, at a race mm -hmm. like like Two Oceans or Comrades, um, there's basically no drug testing happening in the sport, and uh, and there's all this sponsorship. I mean, there's you know all these athletes with all Salomon and Hoka mm -hmm. and all these sponsors, and there's no out of competition drug testing happening of these athletes. So um, so any. Any you know top level marathoner could get into the sport, or uh, you know there's just so much sponsorship money that um, there's a lot of money that's that's in the sport, and then there's like basically no drug testing, so it's pretty pretty shocking. Yeah, it's it's I mean it's amazing to hear that. I mean I I, I actually that's the first time I've heard of a story of someone missing out on a prize in an ultra race, but you just don't hear about it because of a doper, um, but I suppose yeah. there is so little doping, uh, so little anti-doping, sorry, uh, measures in place, then podiums could potentially be filled up of people who are doping, you never hear about it because they've just not been tested. Exactly. I mean, I mean you, you had the experience of missing out on your um, your prize at that first ultra and, and the experience on the day and all the rest yep. of it, um, which you know we've seen lots of coverage of that from, you know, sort of uh, championship athletics where 
they, they award them with their silver medal or their bronze medal later, and, and the argument is all often, you know, well, okay, they've got their medal, but they missed out on the occasion, you know, due to, and that's the same thing you were, you were talking about there, and, and it's yeah. really sad because you can, there's no, just absolutely nothing you can do mm -mm. to take that back. But the only way you could potentially prevent it is with, as you say, the, the out-of-competition testing. And yeah. If the best female ultra-marathon runner in the world is not getting tested, then nobody is. So nobody. One of the points I was thinking about was, did you think it would become more of a, becoming more or could become more of a problem because there are, you know, ultra running is becoming more and more, there's more and more money in, in, in the uh, ultra scene now and all these sponsored athletes and big prize money, you know, there's a price to go after and, you know, that's when, it seems to be that's when people turn to, to doping to, to chase those prizes and accolades yeah. and whatever else. And it's a bit sad, really, because you do think of ultra running as a sort of pure pure sport that people do for the love of the, the hills or the trails. And uh, uh, it's hopefully it's a small minority, you know, like that Russian girl you, you mentioned, but I mean, that nobody knows. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and um, I mean, I I should emphasize also that um, that there's this program called the Courts Program, um, that I'm part of, and <coughs> somebody somebody who has been I've been in Usada's out of competition drug testing. I know what drug testing is. I know what blood profiling is. I know mm -hmm. I know I know what a strict anti-doping program is. And I'm in this courts program that is uh, supposedly, you know, the top trail runners in the world are getting our, our blood checked, which um, to get your blood checked is basically just like you would do with your physician to get and um, to monitor your health. And um, right, so okay. it's not it's not true. They're they're trying to, to, to give the perception that they're drug testing us, mm -hmm. but they're just monitoring our health. And that's, that's like a snapshot in time if they take a one blood test, isn't it? So you're, the way I understand it, you're, you get that, um, what's it called, a, a passport blood test? Oh, yeah, yeah, the, bio, the biological passport. Yeah, and so it's, uh, it's monitored over time and, yeah. So, but it's it's not a true it's not a true biological passport. So so somebody somebody that's that's um, part of an out of competition testing pool would be getting their their urine tested. They would mm, be, get, okay. be getting their blood checked like multiple times uh, yeah. over you know period of a year or so. And yeah. um, and so I'm part of this courts program that it's not true out of competition drug testing. Like they give they give you like a it's not like somebody comes knocking at your door is like knock 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 you know I'm going to draw your blood. They give you like a 96 hour window to go to a lab to get your blood drawn, uh, which is it's a CBC with differential, which is like you would do with your doctor to to get your blood checked. And um, so it's not true. It's not true. Like uh, it's not a true biological passport, and they're they're not drug yeah. testing us, but they're trying to give the perception that they're drug yeah. testing. And so mm -hmm. it 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 makes me cringe as a person of integrity. It makes me cringe that they're trying to give this perception that they're drug testing us when they're not truly drug testing. 
Um, and so I, I've become very vocal about this because I, I, I feel like I feel like the funding for that program needs to be used to put us into our um, anti-doping programs for out-of-competition testing. Um, but they're, they're trying to give the perception that we're being drug tested, but in reality we're not, and we need to be put into a more strict program of out-of-competition drug testing. So. And I was just thinking about that. Is there, um, and I, I assume where this problem arises could be the fact that there isn't really a governing body of ultra racing, or is there? Have I missed something there? I don't think there is. Yeah, so that's, that's, I mean, that's the other thing is because, because we're not an Olympic event, we're kind of seen as like the stepchild of track and field, and we're kind of like our own entity. So we, we have like the, the, the ITRA is the International Trail Running Association, um, and they, so they, they're the ones that put us into this courts program. Okay. Um, but then the, the, I, the IAU is the International Association of Ultra Running. So they're, the IAU is kind of like the, the umbrella organization okay. and the ITRA is like the trail running um, organization that works with the IAU um, okay. so so yeah we, we have kind of our, our own our own uh, branch and um, that's a little bit broken away from the IAF yeah. and our national governing bodies so we're 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 not automatically we're not like the marathon like we're not put into an out of competition drug testing pool um, so, so yeah, that, that's part of the issue is the fact that we're not an Olympic event, so we're not, we're not seen as the same level of funding and support as the more serious events at the marathon and below, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it just sounds absolutely crazy that um, there's not something being, more being done, um, and I guess all, all you can do, I mean, you, obviously you've got a very high profile, so you can you can start to shout very loudly about it and hopefully get some of your your competitors, uh, fellow ultra runners to, to do the same and, and try and get a bit of change in there because it's it's not fair on the clean athletes um, at all. No, it's it's not and I, I mean the only reason why I even know what I know is because I'm a crossover athlete. So I yeah. you know, I'm a I'm a marathoner. I know what drug testing is, I know mm -hmm. what out of competition testing is. And getting into the sport and not seeing any of this, I mean it's shocking. I'm just yeah. absolutely I was shocked. I mean I, I'm in fact I, I'm probably the most drug tested American athlete just because I've been breaking world records and I've been running mm -hmm. at comrades and two oceans and world championships where there is uh, in-competition testing, but yeah. out-of-competition testing is non-existent. And I mm -hmm. like, I think, I mean, it, it really just comes down to funding. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it, you know, there needs to be more funding for it. And, I mean, I'm part of this courts program that does have funding, but they're, they're not appropriating it properly. So, um, yeah, there's just more that's got to be done to, to hold, hold the athletes to the strictest sense. So... Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's quite disturbing, really. Um, so yeah, just a couple more things I was going to ask you actually, and um, one of them was um, a very sort of vague question, I suppose. But what 
what is it, or, or who is it that inspires you to keep motivated and keep going? I'm, I'm going to jump in a little bit. I think it sounds like it's yourself, but maybe it's not. <laughs> I, I think that that's a good I mean I <laughs> I want to say I would say that you know my I gotta give credit to my husband and yeah. I mean I, w- I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for having met my husband <clears throat> and having him having you know seeing what he did the, the lifestyle that he led um, and his guidance uh, you know taking me from this recreational runner to you know I, I always had the drive in me it just it almost feels like it was a little bit of fate the fact that um I met him, I met him, and, like, here I had this, like, innate drive in me, you know, to to push myself, um, and everything I've been able to do, but, I mean, he he was the one who, he was the enabler, you know, the one that that gave me that guidance to to get back running at a serious level, and, so, yeah, I mean, he was my inspiration, but, you know, finding, getting into ultra running and finding out that I have this amazing ability, I mean, I'm, I, I feel compelled to, to be yeah. successful, I mean, I have to do this. I mean, I'm breaking 25-year-old records. Like, I yeah. every time every time I tear the line, it's like I have to succeed. I have to win, and that's that's what drives me. You know, to to, to reach my goals, I, I I have to do this. Like, yeah. this has to happen because if it doesn't, if I don't, if I don't do it, no one will. Basically, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. yeah. That's, that's- it's really interesting. I think if you if you heard or if sorry if, if you not you but if someone read those words written down, it may sound like wow that's an awful lot of pressure that Camille has to put up with. But I I, like it sounds like it sounds like you you enjoy that challenge and, and, and I you do. it's not it's not as if you feel like you have to do it because somebody else wants you to do it. It's more and that's going all the way back to when you were seven and you said it's not like my parents pushed me to do it. I just felt like that was the thing to do. And, uh, exactly. and it's amazing. I mean, it's it's a really inspiring message, actually. That you've you've recognised that you have this gift, yeah. And you're not going to waste it. I mean, how many people out there are wasting potential talent by not trying things? And you exactly. know, and I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I can't. I still can't wrap my head around the, the fact you are running seventy miles a week as a recreational runner, but you also <laughs> love running. That that tells you you love running before you do before anything else, but then then you yeah. find out you're really good at it and you put yeah. it together and it's came out with these amazing breaking twenty five year old records like you say and it'll probably be at least the same time again before <laughs> you get another Anne Tracen or Camille Heron that comes along and, and, and you know, it's it's a sort of once in a generation thing I think and it's it's incredible to see. Yeah. But I mean that that's the that's the driving force for mm-hmm. me to excel. I mean, I have to I have to reach my goal. I have to do this because otherwise nobody's going to do it. And yeah. I mean that's that's what helps me to jump over those roadblocks and races and yeah. you know yeah. keep keep going with my goals. I, I'm like this is this is what I do. Like I, I'm I'm yeah. somebody who jumps jumps the hurdles and keeps going and. And this is what I'm born to do, and I, I have to do it. And I, I like that kind of pressure. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, one other thing I was going to ask you about. So um, we've got this going to have this running theme uh, through the podcast um, of how running can save your life or you know really improve your life. And we're going to have some sort of messages recorded by, by listeners and, and we'll play them on the podcast at the start and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, for example, we've got um, one that sent one in 
already who's um, been a heroin addict and you know coming becoming a, a clean off of that and and then running has helped her to to keep going and stay clean over a, a number of years and, and someone else um, who used running in their childhood to run away from a, a tough home environment and all this sort of thing and and, and a few other stories like that and I'm, I think it's something that most of us can relate to as runners in that you know people run away from the stresses of their their jobs and, and, and all that sort of thing. Have you got any stories along those lines or um, I'm not sure if running has saved your life at all but it's a, such a massive part of your life obviously. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my, I mean, I, I've got stories my whole life of uh, people who didn't believe in me and mm. people who didn't think I would succeed. I mean, I, I've had, I had seven stress fractures when I was in high school and college and, you know, having a doctor tell me that he doesn't think that my body is meant to, to run. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a 19-year-old, I'm a you know, with all these injuries and having a doctor tell me he doesn't think I could run, having my college coach tell me that he doesn't think I'm good enough to run Division wow. One. I mean, I, I, still, I still deal with people saying that, oh, she, she lacks perseverance because I, I had three DNFs back in 2017. I mean, I've, I've dealt with people telling me that I, I'm not a good hill runner. That they, they don't think I'm a good climber, you know, and here, a year later, I go out and win comrades. I win the comrades uphill course, you know, and I, I, train, <laughs> in, I train in Pancake Flat, Oklahoma. So I, I, mm -hmm. I definitely, I have a lot of pride that, that all these people that doubted me and, and put me down and didn't believe in me, when the going gets tough, let me tell you, at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm eating my double-decker taco, I'm having my beer, I'm going to get that world record. So there's nothing that's going <laughs> to stop me from, from reaching my goals. And, um, yeah, I mean, I like what, what compels somebody. I mean, I, I've definitely not had a straight line to the top. I've had to mm -hmm. overcome a lot in my life. I mean, I, I've been, uh, I, I think it might be mentioned, um, I, I've told, talked about how I've actually been homeless. Um, I lost my home in high school. I, I had one pair of running shoes. And, yeah, I mean, I've, I've overcome... People, people would not believe the things I've had to overcome in my life. I haven't, I haven't always been a, a, a child of privilege. That I haven't. It's not like everybody's been spoon feeding me. And uh, I mean, I, I did everything I've done in my life. I did it the blue collar way. I worked my butt off. I, you know, overcame injuries. I overcame people doubting me. I mean, I, I, I got to the top because I believed in myself. I had my husband that believed in me. I had, uh, you know, support. I had to. I had to earn everything I've got in my, my life to, to achieve what I did. So, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's a trickle-down effect. You know, people, everybody at the top has some story to share. And, uh, you know, I, I love hearing the stories about people that changed their lives, you know, and overcame yeah. a drug addiction or, or lost, like, 200 pounds. I mean, I, yeah. uh, like, a lot of my friends tell me that, that they, they – they think that I'm the I'm the peop the, the people's champion because uh, I'm so I'm so relatable and I mean I, I you know at, at, I'm at the I finished my race but you know I stick around at the finish line cheering on the, the next runners and uh, you know I, I have friends that are six hour marathoners um, you know and I'll hang around like waiting for my friends to finish um, yeah I mean I I'm, I'm I've I've had to work my way to the top and I I mean I'm a very 
pretty normal person, I think, other than my very strong work ethic that I have. Yeah. So yeah, no, and I think that's you know absolutely fantastic. And I, I don't think I think I had heard the homeless um, story before, but I'd forgotten about it actually. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's I'm glad you raised that because that shows where you can come from and where you can get to uh, with something like running and. Um, uh, and what I was going to say is that I don't think, I can't imagine there would be many people who are the absolute best at something like ultra running, which is so tough, physically demanding. You could have had an easy life and got there because, you know, you've got to be a certain kind of person to to excel at something so tough. And, uh, yeah, so absolutely amazing story. I've forgotten about that. Um, but, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I, and, I've, uh, got, I've, got th I've got thick skin. I've got thick yeah. skin. I, I I wear a smile on my face, but but under under my smile is is a person that I mean, I've had to overcome my own challenges in life. And when the going gets tough, I mean I think about those challenges and uh, what I've had to overcome in my life, and uh, that that I I deserve to succeed for everything that I've had to overcome. And um, I mean that's what compels me to get to the finish line and to reach my goals. So yeah, it's it's that's a absolutely brilliant outlook as well it's it's a way you know you can't nobody can expect anything to be handed to them on a plate you've got to go and do it for yourself and you, you if there are hurdles or barriers you've got to overcome them and that's a really good analogy with the roadblocks in your races you know that that in your life as well and you've overcome them in your life and then you've, you've brought that forward and, and taken it in your races and, and and yeah i mean that's a, a sort of classic um classic thing where you've got a, a high school coach telling you you're not good enough and then using that to drive you on and prove them wrong and, and I think that's that's brilliant. I mean, how wrong were those guys, that doctor and that, that uh, coach? I mean, college coach, yep. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. I'm so glad you proved them wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, I think that's a fantastic way to, to end this, this chat. I'm not going to have taken up way more of your time than, than, than I wanted to, but um, uh, I could chat forever about this uh, these different stories, and uh, you've got I so many interesting stories. stories. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean there are, there are there are things I wanted to ask you, but you know I, I don't want to go on too, for too long. So thank you so much for for your time and uh, being guest number one uh, on ex <laughs> the Explore Running podcast. Um, yeah. and I'm not sure how I'm not sure how I'm gonna how I'm ever gonna uh, live up to guest number one again with future guests. <laughs> <laughs> this has been. Fantastic, and you know, to, to have a, a world record holder of multiple events come on and, and give up their time to, to chat to me is uh, really appreciated. And uh, yeah, uh, cool. all the very best, all the very best for your races later in the year. We'll look out to see how, how those go, and I'm sure, like you said, you're going to smash it <laughs> and um, defend your title. And um, yeah, yeah go over and, and, and give Western States a, a really good go, and, and we'll see what happens after that. And I look forward to your your mountain career as well, and UTMB and multi-day events and everything, and, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. So yeah. just before we go, um, where, where if um, people want to go and find out a bit more about your uh, what's going on and, and that sort of thing, where can they find you? Yeah, online. yeah. So I, I uh, I'm very, I'm very active on social media. I'm uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Run Camille. 
so yeah, people can find me on there, and then I've also got a Facebook page that I share stuff to, um, my my Camille Heron athlete page. Um, but yeah, I mean we're, we we start getting into coaching as well, and uh, like okay. I get, give a plug for our coaching website and um, yeah, run runwithcamille.com. Um, so yeah, we're we're trying to get into coaching and giving back to the sport and sharing all the the knowledge and the wisdom that we have with others. And um, yeah, we've been able to help a lot of people so far. And uh, in fact, we had a lot of people setting PRs this past weekend. Um, oh, so yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, and that's something else. That's something else to be proud of as well. And I, I do some coaching myself, and it's it's fantastic when one of your other runners um, records a best time. So that's good, uh, really good. So yeah, okay. Thanks cool. very much for, for all your yeah. time. And, uh, um, bye for now then. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm n number one. <laughs> number one. Number one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Have a good rest of the week. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Okay. Thanks a Take lot. Care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for that, Camille. What did you think of that, Jenny? Wow. Check. I, I honestly cannot believe that it managed to bag such a an amazing, oh, a celebrity runny, a celebrity runner. You know, I am in total awe of that woman. I've known of her for a wee while now, and when you said <laughs> you were speaking to her, I was like, oh, what? But she's just lovely. I didn't know how. I just I've never heard her speak before, um, and I was just amazed, like her passion for running all the time and when I was you know when it made, I think about it, it's a dreek day in Aberdeenshire today I mean it's it's cold and it's grim and all I, I just keep thinking about her saying how she her love she just wants to go and run for miles and miles and miles and I'm looking out the window thinking I do love running but she's got <laughs> something else she's got a special kind of um, passion there what a legend yeah, a <laughs> what legend, a fast yeah. legend <laughs> I mean, the word legend is used way too often, as we know. But, I mean, you, you can't get away from the fact she is a legend. She has taken world records that are 25 years old and beaten them. It's insane. At, at different distances as well. It's not just like she's focused on one thing. She's got the 12-hour, the 24-hour, yeah. the 50 miles, 100 miles. She's won comrades. She's uh, broken the records at the, I keep forgetting how to say it, the one in New Zealand. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tamawera. Thingywera. Tamawera <laughs> Ultra, two different distances. Yeah. She's got the records of both of them. And I love, I love the fact that she is not nowhere near finished. She goes on to speak about, oh, she speaks God. about the um, yeah. um, Western States, UTMB. I, I, all. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I, I had written down somewhere, asked her about UTMB, and I, I wasn't sure that um, she was going to be up for that. I didn't think UTMB, uh, I wasn't really sure that would be on her radar. And then and yeah. I, I, sort of, I poked at her a bit with the Barclays as well. And um, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, I actually, I didn't put this to her. I was going to wind it up a little bit more, but I heard in an interview that Laz actually said that he would give her the number one bid. The um, sacrificial <sighs> <goat> bid. <laughs> He's so funny, <laughs> because, isn't he? But it was when... 
it was uh, when you were talking about the minute for miles though i was just like i was just imagining her and barkley scrambling through the woods <laughs> and i bet you anything she could still keep them a bit higher than i would ever do <laughs> oh yeah i mean the, the barkley uh, thing I think she'll do it. I think she'll have a go at that at some point. I hope so. And, I would like. I, I would genuinely on. like to see that. Yeah. Someone, someone is bound to tell her at some point. The last said that about her, which and he was. He meant no disrespect, of course. He was just this, the way she runs. It's all about speed, powering through things. And he said that's not the way to run Barclays. You need to be good at your navigation. Be good at your problem solving. Uh, and yeah. All that sort of things. And the current. And I think she admitted her navigational skills were not very good so um, but, um, I'd love to, I can imagine if Jasmine Paris doesn't go and do it first I can imagine <laughs> Camille Heather would be the first female to finish it and that would be cool yeah really. oh yeah um, she's got a good attitude actually I was mm -hmm. you know I've, I've definitely warmed to her I, I think to have that drive and I mean I, I thought it was quite funny at first when I was listening to her speaking about being number one and um, wanting to win and that drive at first I was like oh god and then actually the more I think about it and listening to her speak and by the end of the, the interview you know you, you're like go go on you know I, I'm, oh, I'm willing her to do it now because yeah. she clearly works really hard and mm -hmm. she's got a great like a great outlook to, towards running yeah. I mean the fact that she just loves it and like you say the Tarawera I mean it's it's a beautiful route. I mean, I'd love to do it, and she totally gets it. Like she does get the good why running is good. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm really really impressed um, by a lot of things said, and it was interesting to hear her take on doping. Um, I've never it, it, it never occurred to me to even think about it. Uh, before in ultras, in fact, I suppose because I'm not um, a top athlete anyway, like it's never come onto my radar anyway. Nobody's going to be testing me for some of the races I've done, but. Um, you know, it's actually a thing. Hadn't even thought about it. Yeah. So I wonder. I wonder. I think you're totally spot on when you were saying. You know, ultra running is getting really popular. Eventually, people are going to make more money out of it. Although at the moment in Scotland, you know, you don't really make anything for for winning uh, these races. Yeah. And I was thinking more about the guys in the states. I mean, some of these guys are. Yeah. Absolutely. Zach Miller and uh, Jim Baldwin. Yeah. They are. Um, Camille herself, I mean, as well. Uh, they are that that is their career now, and they're sponsored athletes. Mm. Camille's a Nike sponsored athlete, and yeah, I hadn't realised that. Uh, so and now she's doing all that coaching as well. So good honour putting back, you know, putting back into the sport as well. So oh good, yeah. good for imagine, her. Imagine what you can learn from Camille. Oh God. Um, How to dine a pint better, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, we never even spoke about drinking beer on the course. I mean, just I she We're too busy learning about tacos. I want a taco, man. I was, I'm so hungry. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally didn't know what a taco was, so I'm glad I got educated. <laughs> and what you don't get on the podcast, listening back, is she was giving me a visual description as well. She was sort of describing it with her hands and all that. Ah, stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, uh, I still got that. I still got it. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, the benefit of the video. But yeah, the thing I really loved about her, and I think... This is maybe what you were you weren't sure about to start with, but you came around to. But I I love the fact that she was just so open about the fact that she's the best. We just oh, don't do yeah. that. We don't do that in Scotland, nah. northeast of Scotland. Like you're not allowed. I know. 
to tell people how good you are. But she wasn't being big-headed about it. She was just matter-of-fact. Yeah. Is true. No, it was, she is the best. And there was that one her. line, isn't it? She's like, you know, I am the, the, the best. You know, it's when she was speaking about anti-doping, wasn't it? And she's like, I'm the best runner in the world and nobody's, yeah. you know, nobody's tested me properly. And I was just thinking, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah. But she's right. Yeah. yeah, she's absolutely right. And she's using yeah. that platform positively for the yeah, anti-doping for thing as well, which is cool. Yeah, she's a and, great yeah. inspiration for women, I think, yeah. as well. Just, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's one thing I haven't said yet, but I'm really making a big effort to get amazing women on the podcast to do interviews because here, here. sports media, sports media in particular, is very focused yeah. on males. And, and I never noticed, you know, as a guy, I never noticed at all until the last few years. I'm the dad of two girls, and I'm like, yeah, I want those girls to have proper role models. Female yeah. role models. You know, I hear my my daughter saying things. Like, oh, that's for boys. And I'm like, no, no, no. There's no such thing as for boys. You can do anything you mm -hmm. want, and I, and I want her to to see that. And, and amazing people like Camille Heron can can demonstrate that. Yeah. I, I'm trying to get as many of those kind of guys on as I can um, to talk about their their running and their journey and their their battles they've overcome. To show that that's why I got you on as well, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, keep the balance. The rest of champion, you know. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna hang on to that one for a long time. <laughs> it might be the only yeah. time I ever uh, win anything. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not even the reigning champion at anything anymore. I was the Mormon Hill champion oh, for a year, but I came second last year, so. <laughs> You'll just have to fight back. Fight yeah, back. I'm gonna have to win it this year, so. Yeah, yeah. no pressure. Yeah, I'm, I'm torn because I keep trying to get more people to come. But then the more people that come, the more chances of uh, somebody fast turning up. So, uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? This yeah. is this is the the problem. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I spent I spent a couple of months trying to convince Robbie Simpson to come last year, but he, he didn't come yeah. in the end. But yeah, I mean, there were no chance yeah. of me even keeping him in sight for half a mile, probably. We'll just um, have to go with the fact that you know the route so well. That's your advantage. I could, could <laughs> try and send him the wrong way. Yeah. Hope we all get lost. <laughs> Yeah. I think you've got a good chance, though. You're not a bad runner yourself, so... Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, run, good, it, I've run that one a few times, and I've came second, first and yeah. second. But, um, yeah, if, if some of the seriously fast guys turn up, I'm, I'm nowhere near them. But, yeah, it's a good, <laughs> good race, actually. I can enjoy it. So, yeah, so, uh, yeah that was that was Camille Heron. I can't quite believe we managed that on episode one. Uh, I'm not sure where we're going to go from here. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. Um, we just have to get someone different. Uh, some different uh, people on, but there are some pretty amazing guests we've got lined up. So we'll we yeah. won't put any spoilers out there just yet. But we've got some pretty cool guests, some very well known as well as some lesser known. But but each one of them's got a cool story to tell. So we'll get into that in the coming episodes. So I think we've already chatted about what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. So yeah. Geary Half Marathon uh, on the 24th, so I've got two, this is Thursday, so just over two weeks before that, I'll have a, yeah. probably another training week next week, a couple of sessions, and not quite as long as a 16 miler, but um, a long run in there, and then have a go at the Geary Half, and yeah. hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, that I managed to, to have a better performance than the last one. I'm definitely feeling better, better now and over the cold and all that Good. sort of stuff. Ah, you weren't well when I saw you. That was at the very start of the race. 
Yeah, that was due to a lack of sleep as much as anything. I'd only been in bed for about four hours, so that's, that's right, not, yeah. not, a way, not a good way to <laughs> for a half marathon, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and you've got your Nubra multi yeah, so there's Nubra coming up. There's quite a few things on the calendar, mm-hmm. though, isn't there? There's um, the Resolution uh, 10K in Glasgow, I think. Cause I know quite a few people that are going to that mm-hmm. same weekend. Inverness Half, that's, oh, it's this weekend, oh my God, it's 10th yeah, this weekend. Inverness, yeah, yeah. So, so I'll Inverness, be up at Inverness. Are you going up to support, are you? Yeah, so... Or, or, or um, are you running I, another race you haven't told me about? Well, I am running, <laughs> but... Um, I'm running it because I'm there to shout at a friend of mine who okay. needs to to pull his finger out. So right, let's, I, let's name him. Who is it? It's uh, Mr. P. He's called. He's the crazy French man from oh, uh, the Kilt of Frontenac. Can lost with you. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So Inverness is his goal. So I've been trying to help him um, over the last couple of years, really, um, and I promised that. I would uh, give him a kick up the arse, basically. So okay, yeah. okay. I'll be there. I'll be there uh, shouting. So I, I like that guy because he said to me that two seconds. My daughter's trying to get a piece of paper to draw in here. Um, <laughs> he he said to me, "You are my hero." As the first words he said to me, I can't remember. Yeah. What I, I think you told him I was sitting in your speed sessions, and he said, "Yeah, you are my hero." Yeah. So what? Yeah. Yeah. So good luck. Well, he knows who you are because he's always asking what, like, because I've been like running properly and doing like actual technical settings. So he's been very confused at where the (laughs) hazard trail runner has all of a sudden turned into like some sort of magazine. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. So yeah, Yeah, it's benefited him as much as me. (laughs) Yeah, I've got um, I've got uh, some runners doing the Inverness half as well. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not going to name them in case I forget who's all doing it, because there are two or three, <laughs> but yeah, I, I need to check my list before I name them, but yeah, they, they, yeah, the ones who are doing it, their training has actually gone very well, so I'm really excited okay. to see how they get on. Um, uh, they, we had, including myself, there were five of us racing at the Fraserburgh Half Marathon in November, and all of us, oh, brilliant. All of us got a PB, so that was an amazing wow. thing. Wow, that is I'm, good. I'm, I've got my fingers crossed for, for PBs all around again at Inverness. I can't yeah. remember two, two, or, two or three of them, but they, they huh. should be in good shape for that, I think. So that's that's really exciting. And uh, I've got a mate going up to the Inverness as well, Fraserburgh Running Club. Uh, Mark brilliant. Brown, so good, good luck, Mark. I know your training's been going well, so we'll excite to see mm-hmm. what he does. He, he ran a one a 118 at Fraserburgh, so we'll see what he get, how he gets on at Inverness. Yeah. That'll be good, yeah. I think he, he could he could be in with a shout. At a shout oh, well, maybe, so there's so. plenty to talk about next yeah, week. Yeah, absolutely, when we get back on a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. Um, so I think that just about wraps it up for, for this episode. I think episode one has gone without a hitch, apart from a daughter interrupting us for a bit of paper there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's life. Yeah, that's what happens when yeah. that, I suppose. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to give Explore Running a bit of a plug, as I will. We've got a variety of things going on now. We've got um, group runs nearly every month. It's a a trail run around about Aberdeenshire, um, somewhere between sort of 10k to 10 miles, maybe not maybe 10 miles, but maybe 8 or 9 miles sometimes, which is sort of 10 to 15k or so. 
in a trail somewhere in Aberdeenshire. And the next one is on the 16th of March, and it's currently planned to be up at Excellent. Press, press and Die, if that's how you say it. Up yeah, lovely. Tarland direction. I think you go and wreck it yeah. to make sure it's not got snow on the hills or anything, because last month's one had to get changed because I went to Recce the route a couple of weeks beforehand and I was way steep in snow. So, oh, jeez. Uh, hoping for none of that, but I'll, I'll go and check it yeah, out. Yeah, uh, fingers crossed. This weekend and then the following weekend we'll be going up there. So that's, if you have a look on the Facebook page, which is just Facebook uh, slash Explore Running, you'll, have a, you'll see when that's going on. There's events on there. Uh, we've got a couple of groups going. We've got a speed reps group on a Tuesday in Strachan, uh, in Strachan in the northeast of Scotland, and how we're running that is a 3k run, time trial, six weeks of speed sessions, then another time trial, 3k, and we got to round the first block of that this week, and every single person ran faster. So that obviously yeah, works. congratulations! For some speed well reps uh, in your your local Strachan, give us a shout. And I've started up some beginners groups as well just this week. So uh, Mintplot, Stricken and Fraserburgh, uh, 10 a.m. respectively, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The details will be on the, the Facebook page again, so could come and check it out. And you can like us on Instagram, uh, which is Explore Running Everywhere is the, the, the um, handle for that. And I also do some coaching. And uh, I coach Jenny Woo! with... To a fetter, so uh, victory. So uh, I think the credentials are there. Are there. So yeah, just drop me, drop me a note if you if you need some help with your running, and uh, we can we can sort it out. And to subscribe to the podcast will be the usual ways. But this is episode one, so we don't have it actually uploaded anywhere yet. But it should be on iTunes and um, what's the one that everybody uses again? I use iTunes. I can't remember what the other one's called now. <laughs> I had it in my head earlier, I've totally yeah. forgotten. But if you go to the, the website, explorerunning.co.uk, I'll get that updated with uh, podcast episodes and that sort of thing as well. And you can give us a rating, a recommendation on Facebook, and um, whatever you listen to your podcasts. Um, hopefully you'll have enjoyed the show, and you can give us as many stars as you can find. Um, whoop, whoop. So I think that's us for episode one. Thanks very much to Jenny for joining me. And no problem, it's been good. Thanks very much. We'll catch See you, you next later. time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.